The Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 13. Front Cover Text. The USPTO Cleaning House. Developments in Indian Trademark Law. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective, Part 2. Concealment of Facts Led to Vacation of Injunction. The Global IP Matrix Magazine interviews the 2022 INTA President. Race to the Metaverse, Opportunities and Risks for Brands and IP Rights. Exclusive, The Global Impact of IP, Driving Progress with Innovation Insights. Andrew Mattock, President, LexisNexis Intellectual Property Solutions, USA. Front Cover Strip Advertisement. Patent Seekers. The Global Patent Searchers. International Patents and Design Search Company. www.patentseekers.com. Mail at patentseekers.com. Telephone, plus 44-01633-8166-01. Inside Front Cover Advertisement. A calming influence in a chaotic world. Hackers, counterfeiters, squatters. When too much of daily professional life is filled with the stress of IP portfolio management, many companies and entrepreneurs turn to Michelle S. Katz. Calm, focused, thorough. Michelle provides a calming approach to managing IP assets. With nearly two decades of experience, Michelle conducts trademark searches, prepares opinions, and monitors trademarks to confirm that her client's intellectual property rights are used properly and effectively. She manages copyright registration portfolios in addition to familiarizing U.S. Customs with client designs in an effort to stop counterfeit goods at U.S. borders. In the area of patents, Michelle litigates complex patent litigation matters including such varied products as textiles, hard disk drives, airbag covers, and interface transfer technology. She also manages patent portfolios to ensure U.S. and foreign patent protection for clients. Her client results have earned her recognition by Super Lawyers Magazine and Illinois Leading Lawyers. In addition, she is a founding partner of Advitum IP, an intellectual property law firm. She also is a past president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NABO, Chicago Chapter. Bask in the calming influence of effective IP portfolio management. Contact Michelle today at mcats at advitumip.com or call 312-332-7710. Learn more at www.advitumip.com. Advitum IP Attorneys at Law. Trademarks, copyright, trade secrets, domain names, litigation, customs, anti-counterfeiting, licensing alternative dispute, resolution, and portfolio management. www.advitumip.com. Page 3. Editor's Note and the Editorial Board. Dear readers. Welcome to the 13th edition of the Global IP Matrix magazine. We are delighted to bring you this special in-person conference edition in time for the INTA Annual Meeting 2022, taking place in Washington DC in May this year. Once again, we have invited the industry's creative and knowledgeable minds to come together and share their stories from their respective fields and jurisdictions from around the world. We are very excited to welcome headliners and newcomers to the Global IP Matrix magazine, LexisNexis, in this special edition. Andrew Mattock, 
president of LexisNexis Intellectual Property Solutions in the USA, shares his knowledge on the global impact of IP, driving progress with innovation insights in a very informative article. We are equally excited to affiliate ourselves with another newcomer to our magazine, WebTMS from the United Kingdom. Helen Hopper, social media outreach and PR for WebTMS in the UK, discusses the big topic at the moment, the metaverse, the opportunities, and risks for IP brands and IP rights. As always, a special mention to all our outstanding contributors for your time and efforts in creating this edition of our magazine which is packed with your fantastic knowledge of this wonderful industry we call IP. Ms. Elvin Hassan. Editor and Head of International Liaisons. The Global IP Matrix Magazine Editorial Board. Gabriella Bodden, ePROINT in Costa Rica. Marek Berry, Berry and Berry in Poland. Mr. Afamafuna Francis Noikidi, Stillwater's law firm in Nigeria. Ms. Brenda Martanga, B. Martanga IP Attorneys, Zimbabwe. Laura Castillo Sepulveda, Inventiva Espacio Legal, Dominican Republic. Ms. Ruta Ullman, Metida in Latvia. Page 4. Contents page. Page 8. Race to the Metaverse, Opportunities and Risks for Brands and IP Rights. Helen Hopper, Social Media Outreach and PR for WebTMS, UK. Page 11. Concealment of Facts Led to Vacation of Injunction. Manisha Singh, Founder Partner, Anomesh Puri, Partner at Lexorbis, India. Page 15. General Principles on the Admissibility of a Mark in Sri Lanka. Seo Adochi, Senior Associate, Attached to the IP Division of the Firm, Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Page 17. Omotola, a proper insight into the consequences of trademarking a celebrity's name in Nigeria. Ifini'i. Okonkwo, Senior Associate, an expert in commercial intellectual property law and litigation, Stillwater's Law Firm, Nigeria, Africa. Page 21. The USPTO Cleaning House. Michelle. S. Katz, founder partner at Advitum IP, LLC, Chicago, USA. Page 23. The Supreme People's Court of China issued a new judicial interpretation of the anti-unfair competition law to safeguard fair market order. Ray ZHAO, LLM, senior partner, head of the international trademark team, attorney at law and trademark attorney at Unitalan Attorneys at Law, China. Page 27. Developments in Indian Trademark Law. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, partner at Krishna and Saurastri, India. Page 29. Waiting in perpetuity for trademark removal, Ghana and Nigeria compared. Sarah Norka Anku Esquire, senior partner and intellectual property consultant, Ghana, and Mrs. Onianichukumeri Magdalena Dotsi Esquire, Head of Chambers and Trademarks Agent, Nigeria, Anku. Anku at Law, Africa. Page 35. Strategies to rebrand for socially aware companies. Stacy C. Calamares, founding partner at Calamares Law Office LLC, Chicago, USA. Page 39. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective, Part 2. Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst and Daniel DeFrancesco, 
IP Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Page 43. The Global Impact of IP, Driving Progress with Innovation Insights. Andrew Mattock, President, LexisNexis Intellectual Property Solutions, USA. Page 49. Non-obviousness, a big dilemma in patenting. Divyen Duverma, Head of the Patent Department, Audurivox, Dubai, UAE. Page 55. ECTA 40th Annual Conference Designing the Future Welcome to the City of Copenhagen. Mladen Vukma, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, HR. Page 59. The Global IP Matrix Magazine Interviews INTA President. Ziga Vink is Intellectual Property Director at MF Brands Group. Page 64. Changing IP in Africa. Bryce Nyakua, OAPI Accredited Agent and Partner at Minyagog & Associates, Cameroon. Page 5. Half-page advertisement. Ship Global Intellectual Property. One of the most complete and up-to-date online platforms in the IP management sector, created by a panel of experts that included both clients and agents and uses AI to streamline the IP process. Patents, trademarks, IP translations, paralegal outsourcing, document management service, portfolio data management, renewals, portfolio analysis management, search and monitoring, and legal services. Same page. Published by Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Carlos Northern. CEO and founder at Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World magazines. Email, carlos at northernsprmarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World magazines and head of international liaisons for Women's IP World. Email, elvin at womensipworld.com. Ashling Lenehan. Marketing and Creative Design at Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine and the Women's IP World. Email, ashling at northernsprmarketing.com. Sandra Spencer. Sales Director, FIS Asia and the Middle East. Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited Publishers of the Global IP Matrix Magazine and Women's IP World. Email, sandra at northernsprmarketing.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World Annual Magazines. Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Page 6. Contributors. Helen Hopper. Social Media Outreach and PR for WebTMS, UK. Manisha Singh. Founder Partner at Lexorbis, India. Omesh Puri. Partner at Lexorbis, India. Seo Adochi. Senior Associate, Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Ifini E. Orkonkwo. Senior Associate, an expert in commercial intellectual property law and litigation. Stillwater's Law Firm, Nigeria, Africa. Michelle S. Katz. Founder Partner at Advitum IP, LLC, Chicago, USA. Ray Zhao. Senior Partner, Head of the International Trademark Team, Attorney at Law and Trademark Attorney at UniTalent Attorneys at Law, China. Unchul Sunil Saurastri.
partner at Krishna and Saurastri, India. Sarah Norka Anku Esquire. Senior partner and intellectual property consultant, Anku, Anku at Law, Ghana. Onyanichuk Mary Magdalena Dotsi Esquire. Head of Chambers and Trademarks Agent, Anku. Anku at Law, Nigeria. Stacy C. Calamares. Founding partner at Calamares Law Office LLC, Chicago, USA. Claire Gibson. Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Daniel DeFrancesco. IP Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Andrew Mattock. President, LexisNexis Intellectual Property Solutions, USA. Divienne Duverma. Head of the Patent Department, Audirivox, Dubai, UAE. Mlodin Vakma. ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, HR. Ziga Vink. Intellectual Property Director at MF Brands Group and the INTA 2022 President. Bryce Nyakua. OAPI Accredited Agent and Partner at Minyagog & Associates, Cameroon. Page 7. Advertisements. Mark Inventa Intellectual Property Services. Your intellectual property agent in Eastern Europe and Asia. European Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Trademarks, Patents, Assignment, Industrial Designs, Opinions, Oppositions, Patent Annuities, Renewal Designs, Renewal Trademarks. Contact Details. Mark Inventico. Limited. Intellectual Property Services. Glinska Yulika 14. 1000 Ljubljana. Slovenia. Phone, plus 386-1426-650,3. Fax, plus 386-12,5,1,050,8. Phone, plus 386-1540-433,1. Fax, plus 386-1524-311,8. Email, office at mark-inventa.si. Website, www.mark-inventa.com Same page. Advert number 2. Deep and far attorneys at law since 1992. IP right prosecution and litigation, corporate legal and consulting, IP value-added services. Focus, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, unfair competition, licensing, counseling, litigation, transaction. Territories, Taiwan, Mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Fields, Mechanics, Chemistry, Pharmacy, Biology, Electronics, Optics, Telecommunications, and Computer Sciences since 1992. Address colon 13 TH Floor, 27, Sec.3, Chung San N Road, Taipei, Taiwan. Telephone, 886 225-856-6887, fax, 886,225-989-900-259-789-89, email, email at deepnfar.com.tw, website, www.deepnfar.com.tw. Same page. Advert number three. United Trademark and Patent Services. 
Intellectual Property Attorneys Your reliable partners for intellectual property matters in Pakistan, South Asia, the Arabian Gulf, the Middle East and Africa. Trademark, Patent, Design, Copyright, Domain Name Registration, Litigation and Enforcement Law. Regional Head Office Suites 401 to 402, Al Hawaii Tower, Sheikh Zayed Road, Dubai, UAE. Telephone plus 971 4 343 754. Fax plus 971 4 343 7546. Email Dubai at unitedtm.com or United Trademark at unitedtm.com. Websites www.utmps.com or www.unitedip.com. Page 8. Article. Race to the Metaverse, Opportunities and Risks for Brands and IP Rights. Written by Helen Hopper, Social Media Outreach and PR for WebTMS, UK. Until the company formerly known as Facebook announced a change of name in mid-October, public awareness of the metaverse concept was relatively low. The new moniker led to many questioning the rationale behind the name. At the same time, some businesses sat up and took notice as one of the world's most influential companies appeared to be trespassing on their registered intellectual property rights. Facebook's brand transition to Meta isn't the only example of recent metaverse-related activity. In early November, news broke that Nike had applied to register its wordmark, logo and Just Do It register trademark symbol slogan as trademarks in classes 9, 35 and 41, specifically for downloadable virtual goods for use online and online virtual worlds. At the same time, the company began recruiting for virtual material designers who were tasked with creating products solely for virtual consumption and, as the company puts it, redefining our digital world, ushering us into the metaverse. Unsurprisingly, others are following Meta and Nike's lead and attempting to get ahead with applications for metaverse-related IP rights. A quick look at trademark journals in the UK, US, Germany and France sees a marked uptick in applications featuring the word Meta and Metaverse across a range of classes. So, what is the Metaverse and why are brands and entrepreneurs excited about becoming part of it? What is the Metaverse? The term Metaverse was coined by science fiction novelist Neil Stevenson in his 1992 novel Snow Crash. He describes how humans, as avatars, interact with each other and software agents, in a three-dimensional virtual space that uses the metaphor of the real world. However, as the technology to make this vision a reality has emerged, the scale and scope of metaverse potential have exploded. In his excellent Metaverse Primer, which we recommend to anyone who wants to get under the hood of what could be in store, essayist and venture capital investor Matthew Ball gives his best attempt definition as the metaverse is a massively scaled and interoperable network of real-time rendered 3D virtual worlds which can be experienced synchronously and persistently by an effectively unlimited number of users with an individual sense of presence and with continuity of data, such as identity, history, entitlements, objects, communications, and payments. Ball also describes the metaverse as a quasi-successor state to the mobile internet, building upon and iteratively advancing what currently exists. It incorporates virtual reality, VR, augmented reality, AR, Internet of Things, IoT, and digital twins, 
digital replications of real-world constructs. It integrates the digital and physical worlds, with continuity between them. A basic example of this continuity and blurring of digital and physical worlds might be someone walking down the street wearing virtual clothes visible to others wearing AR glasses, or even smart contact lenses. Or, more fundamental still, think of Pokemon Go, where players can view characters set in the real-world landscape when looking through their smartphone camera. Much of the technology needed to realize the full vision of the metaverse does not yet exist, such as the ability to sustain millions of user realities synchronously in real time, but some of the tools that will be part of it, such as AR and VR, are beginning to become mainstream. Blockchain, non-fungible tokens, and cryptocurrency also play key roles, as the metaverse will be a functioning economy. The facility for work, payment, ownership, and creativity are intrinsic to the metaverse. It will be possible to generate value that is recognized by and transferable to others. And this is where brands get interested. That's because, in the metaverse, it will be possible to buy digital assets and transfer them between all of its experience components. Matthew Ball explains, your Counter-Strike gun skin, for example, could also be used to decorate a gun in Fortnite, or be gifted to a friend on through Facebook. Brands in the metaverse, my metaverse wardrobe is Balenciaga. Brands have already undertaken significant experiments in virtual worlds. Marvel has integrated its characters, an IP into Fortnite and O2 worked with Epic Games to recreate the O2 arena in Fortnite Creative as a venue for virtual concerts. High fashion brand Balenciaga has aimed to bridge digital physical spaces with a Fortnite collaboration that sees Balenciaga designs available for virtual purchase and incentives for players to share images of their avatars in Balenciaga. The real-world Balenciaga X Fortnite collection is available in the brand stores. Partnerships are a common feature in Roblox, too. This phenomenally successful gaming platform has more than 150 million monthly users, and in the first nine months of 2020, users spent $1.2 billion on in-game currency. While the examples above center on gaming platforms, it is important to remember that individual virtual worlds do not constitute the metaverse, rather, it is the interoperability and continuity between multiple digital experiences, some of which are entertainment-based but could just as easily be educational, retail, medical, or any number of other applications. Challenges for brands in the metaverse. Clearly, brands see the opportunities inherent in the metaverse. But there are some interesting questions to be considered about how brands protect themselves in the metaverse and offer their genuine products and services to consumers within it. It would be too much to hope that the metaverse will be free from counterfeiting, passing off and copycats. This will require subtle handling, especially because user-generated content is currently a significant feature of many virtual worlds. Monitoring for IP infringement across the multiple components of the metaverse will be a considerable challenge. Some commentators have suggested that operators of different metaverse components should establish strategies for protecting users' IP, similar to how YouTube, Amazon, and eBay work to protect rights holders from illicit activity on their platforms. Indeed, users are likely to have to agree on terms and conditions of use for each metaverse entity they engage with. This will go some way to transferring legal jurisdictions across the boundary from physical to digital worlds and allow for the functioning of IP laws.
As a first step, IP commentators advise that brand owners register their key assets as downloadable virtual goods for use in virtual environments, as Nike has done. Over the longer term, the question may arise whether new virtual product classifications are needed. Indeed, the wider issue of regulation and legal jurisdiction in the metaverse will need to be explored. New brands will likely emerge entirely within the metaverse, taking advantage of low setup costs and potentially unlimited global reach. The question of which jurisdictions should be prioritized for rights applications for such brands could become an issue, as the metaverse is not necessarily geographically relevant. For now, it is a case of watching and waiting as this fascinating new environment emerges. For those who want to get more hands-on, Drew Benvai, founder of leading social media communications agency Battenhall, shared five tips for brands to start exploring it. Discover, where are you being discussed? Dabble, buy a headset, specs, or stories. Dive in, try out Decentraland, the virtual world. Dill, buy, mint and sell some NFTs on OpenSea. Defend, research, register, and protect the brand. Certainly, everyone in the IP industry can get behind the last tip. Page 10. Advertisement. Web TMS. IP portfolio management software. Manage more IP efficiently than ever before. If you want to be more efficient and accurate, take the stress out of deadline management and make it easier to correspond with clients and agents. It's time to try Web TMS. Please visit the Web TMS team at stand number 210 at the INTA annual meeting in Washington, D.C., and we'll show you how WebTMS combines intuitive design with intelligent automation, so you can see how easy IP docketing can be. Sales at WebTMS.com www.WebTMS.com Page 11. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. Concealment of facts led to vacation of injunction. Written by Manisha Singh, founder partner Anomesh Puri, partner at Lexorbis, India. An established rule of law has long been that a person who seeks equity must come with clean hands. Through the judgment in OM Logistics Limited. V. S. H. Mahendra Pandey, the Delhi court has shed light on the rule that the ground of concealment or suppression of material facts by the plaintiff is, by itself, sufficient to set aside an ex-party injunction awarded in favor of the plaintiff. In this case, the plaintiff was registered as a company on October 12, 1999, with the name OM Logistics Limited and had four trademark registrations in its favor under Class 39, including the word mark OM Logistics Limited. The defendant was using a device mark OM Express Logistics in respect of the identical business of providing logistic services. The plaintiff sent a cease and desist notice to the defendant and filed a suit for infringement and passing along with an application seeking a temporary injunction before the court, and pursuant to that, an interim order dated September 16, 2021, was passed, granting ex-party interim injunction in favor of the plaintiff, refraining the defendant from using the impugned mark OM Express Logistics or any other mark that is similar to the plaintiff's trademark OM Logistics Limited. An application was then filed on behalf of the defendant for vacation of the interim order. The following were the submissions by the defendant. Misrepresentation and concealment of material facts. 
The first and foremost submission made on behalf of the defendant was that the plaintiff had made misleading and false claims and had also suppressed and concealed relevant fax documents to obtain the ex parte ad interim injunction order dated September 16, 2021, against the defendant, which was found by the court to be true, such as. The plaintiff claimed that its trademark OM Logistics Limited was a well-known trademark within the meaning of the Trademarks Act, 1999. The plaintiff did not disclose to the court that its trademark application number 1289376 was in respect of only a device mark and its trademark application number 3504399 was a composite label mark, and not word marks. Further, the plaintiff did not disclose its replies to the examination reports in respect of two of its marks, including its word mark, in which the plaintiff had relied on a link between its word and device marks to highlight differences with the other cited marks containing OM and logistics and stated that there was no likelihood of confusion. Although the plaintiff disclosed the fact that the defendant had sent a reply dated April 27, 2021, to the cease and desist notice sent by the plaintiff and placed the same on record, the entire reply was not placed on record by the plaintiff and vital defences taken by the defendant in the form annexures that were part of the reply, were not filed by the plaintiff. Along with the said reply, the defendant had filed details of a number of entities operating in the field of logistics and courier services, which had been using the word OM4 slash as a part of their trading style. The defendant had also filed, along with its reply, objections raised by the Trademark Registry regarding the trademark applications number 3409267, for 519064 and 3503499 of the plaintiff and the plaintiff's response to the aforesaid objections. The plaintiff did not file the legal proceedings certificate along with the plaint. However, reliance was placed on the same in the plaint and, therefore, did not disclose that the defendant had filed a rectification application in respect of the plaintiff's registration. With regard to the above, the following observations were made. The determination as to whether or not a trademark is a well-known trademark can only be either in terms of a court order recognizing a particular mark to be a well-known trademark or by the trademark registry as provided under Section 11, 8, 2 of the Trademarks Act. Since the plaintiff had failed to point out any such order or report, such a claim, which had been specifically relied on while granting the impugned interim order, was misleading. Since in respect of the registered similar cited trademarks in the examination reports, the plaintiff had in its replies, which it had not submitted, taken the stand that the plaintiff's trademark OM Logistics Limited did not resemble was different from the other marks, the plaintiff would be stopped from taking the diametrically opposite stand that the defendant's trademark OM Express Logistics was similar to the plaintiff's mark. As the plaintiff had earlier placed reliance on the device, which was to be used along with the word mark of the plaintiff to claim distinctiveness, therefore, by the plaintiff's own admission, defendant had not copied the device mark of the plaintiff. The plaintiff could not now claim exclusivity regarding the mark OM Logistics Limited as a word mark and could not be permitted to approbate and reprobate. The plaintiff was guilty of suppression and concealment of material facts, which ought to have been disclosed in the plaint. Therefore, in the court's prima facie view, the ex parte ad interim injunction granted to the plaintiff by the order dated September 16, 2021, was liable to be vacated on the grounds of misrepresentation and concealment of material facts. The aforesaid documents were deliberately not disclosed by the plaintiff to the court as the same were detrimental to the plaintiff's case. 
If the aforementioned documents were disclosed, it is possible that the court would not have granted the ex-party ad interim injunction in favor of the plaintiff. Concealment of material facts and documents is a serious matter and sufficient for disqualifying a litigant from obtaining relief. The court stated that even though the ground of concealment and suppression of facts proved documents was itself sufficient for the injunction to be vacated, it would also deal with the case on merits, on the following grounds. Religious symbols names of deities cannot be monopolized. The court observed that in India, it is a common practice for the names of gods and goddesses and religious symbols to be used as parts of names of individuals and business entities. No person can claim exclusivity with regard to names of deities' religious symbols. Therefore, the plaintiff could not claim monopoly over the term OM or in this case. Descriptive laudatory use of express and logistics. The court observed that the word express and logistics are common words and relied on their dictionary meaning and stated that the parties used the words for their marks in a laudatory descriptive manner, in the present case. The court concluded that since both the parties are engaged in the business of transportation and logistics, the rival marks are inherently descriptive and not capable of distinguishing the services of the plaintiff. The words OM and logistics are common to trade. The court observed that the word logistics is commonly used in the business of transportation and courier services and relied on the various documents filed by the defendant in respect of the words OM and logistics, including search reports results from the trademark registry records, and the records of the Ministry of Corporate Affairs to show that there were several registrations under Class 39 and entities using the said word symbol in their marks and trade names. Respectively. Risk of passing off. The court compared the actual marks of the plaintiff and defendant and observed that there is no visual similarity between the competing marks. The court further observed that the plaintiff is not the first user of the word marks OM and logistics, as already shown above. Having chosen to adopt marks which are in the nature of religious symbols and otherwise descriptive laudatory terms, the plaintiff could not seek a monopoly in respect thereof and restrain other parties from using the same. The goodwill and reputation claimed by the plaintiff in respect of its trademarks could only be established at the stage of the trial. Provisions of the Trademarks Act The court observed that the plaintiff sought an interim injunction based on being a registered proprietor of the word mark OM Logistics Limited. However, registration alone would not give the plaintiff the exclusive right to use the trademark as Section 28 of the Trademarks Act itself provides that subject to other provisions of the Act. The registration of a trademark shall, if valid, give to the registered proprietor of the trademark the exclusive right to the use of the trademark. In the present case, a, the plaintiff was yet to attain finality as the defendant had filed rectification petitions against the same, which were pending. b, even if the registration were taken to be valid, the defendant would be entitled to invoke section 17 on the grounds of words in the mark being common to trade non-distinctive character and not conferring any exclusive rights in favour of the plaintiff, or the benefit under section 30, 1, a, of the Trademarks Act, is in accordance with the honest practices in industrial or commercial matters. Estoppel. The court observed that since the plaintiff themselves had claimed that the distinctiveness in its mark was linked to its device and had also sought to distinguish its registered word marks on the ground that the word marks of the plaintiff were not deceptively similar to other marks, therefore, at the prima facie stage, the plaintiff would be stopped from claiming distinctiveness in the word marks per se. 
The court justifiably called out the plaintiff for misrepresenting the facts to obtain the ex-party ad interim injunction order. It is vital that the brand owners must strategize from the very beginning while prosecuting the trademark applications before the trademarks office as the arguments before the trademarks office may adversely affect the enforcement strategy. The litigant must also disclose all the relevant facts and submit all previous documents exchanged between the parties so that the relief is obtained after due consideration. Page 14. Advertisement. Lexorbis Intellectual Property Attorneys and Advocates. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Email, mail at lexorbis.com. Telephone, plus 9111237165565. Page 15. Article. General Principles on the Admissibility of a Mark in Sri Lanka. Written by Ms. Seo Adochi, Senior Associate, attached to the IP division of the firm, Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Intellectual property is regulated by the Intellectual Property Act No. 36 of 2003, Act, in Sri Lanka. When applying for a trademark registration in Sri Lanka, the mark should be considered admissible under the Act to ensure smooth registration. A mark can be defined as a visible and distinct sign that may consist of a word, symbol, device, letters, numerals, name, surname or geographical name. It may also be a combination or arrangement of colors and shapes of containers, etc. Section 103 of the Act provides the inadmissibility of the mark on objective grounds that the mark cannot be registered if it consists of shapes imposed by the inherent nature of the goods or services. It is descriptive of the kind, quality, quantity, intended purpose, value, place of origin or time of production, or supply, of the goods or services concerned. It consists of a sign which has become a customary designation of the goods or services concerned. It's not capable of distinguishing the goods or services from those of other traders. It consists of any scandalous design that is likely to offend any community's religious or racial susceptibilities. It is misleading as to the nature, the source, geographical indication, the manufacturing process, the characteristics, or the suitability for the purposes of the goods or services concerned. It does not represent the name of an individual or enterprise in a special or particular manner. It is a geographical name or surname. It's an imitation of armorial bearings, flags or other emblems, initials, names or abbreviated names of any state or organization without authority. It's an imitation of official signs or hallmarks of a state without authority. It's misleadingly similar to a mark that has expired and has not been renewed during the two years preceding the filing of the application for the registration of the mark in question. The trading of the goods or services concerned are prohibited in Sri Lanka. In order to avoid refusals under this section, the applicant must select a unique trademark that is either fanciful, arbitrary or a suggestive mark. Descriptive marks may also be registrable provided that the dominant component of the mark is distinctive or has acquired distinctiveness. A fanciful mark is a mark that has no dictionary meaning. These are the marks that are invented by the applicant. Some famous examples of this mark are Adidas, Rolex and Exxon. 
Arbitrary marks are words used for products and services that are not related to the meaning of the said word, apple, shell, and Amazon can be considered examples for arbitrary marks. Suggestive marks may contain words that can hint at a particular characteristic or function of its product or service without being too descriptive. Therefore, concerning a suggestive mark, a person hearing the term does not get a reasonably accurate knowledge of the goods. Some famous examples of this mark are Microsoft, Burger King and Baby DRY. Descriptive marks are the marks that only describe the products or services to which they are applied. These marks can be registrable if the applicant proves that their mark has a secondary meaning through long and extensive use and or substantial advertising and promotions. Some of the examples of descriptive marks with secondary meaning are such as British Airways and Sharp. Generic marks are the marks that have become a customary designation of the goods or services concerned. These trademarks are no longer protectable as they have lost their distinctiveness. Famous examples of generic marks include Jeep, Pampers, Vaseline, Jacuzzi, etc. Section 104 of the Act provides the inadmissibility of the mark on third-party rights that the mark cannot be registered if it is confusingly similar to a mark already filed for registration or registered by a third party in the same class. It is confusingly similar to an unregistered mark having prior use in Sri Lanka by a third party in the same class. It is confusingly similar to a trading name already used in Sri Lanka by a third party. It is confusingly similar to a well-known mark in Sri Lanka, and such use will damage the interest of the owner of the well-known mark. It infringes third-party rights or is contrary to the prevention of unfair competition. It is filed by an agent or a third-party representative without authorization or any reasonable justification. The degree of confusion is such that the dominant component of the mark should be substantially similar. Courts generally will take into account the following factors when determining confusion. Similarity on the visual appearance, sound, commercial impression, and meaning of the conflicting marks. The similarity of the goods or services. The similarity in the marketing channels used. The intention of the second comer in selecting its mark, and there is evidence of the coexistence of the two marks in the market without any actual confusion. In order to avoid refusals under S. 104, 1, A, the best option is to conduct a trademark search prior to filing your trademark application at the IP office using the Trademark Register database. However, as conducting a search is not mandatory before filing, the IP office will not issue an official search report. Hence, it is advisable to obtain a legal opinion to evaluate the chance of success in registering the mark and plan ahead of any potential conflicts and refusals. On the other hand, despite conducting a search, a trademark application may still be refused under S. 104, 1, D, and E. Under S.104, 1, D, well-known marks have broader legal protection since they are considered famous and have an immediate connection in the public's mind with a specific product and the source of such product. Examples of well-known marks include Apple, Rolex and Coca-Cola. Under S. 104, 1, E, the purpose of this section is to prevent the third-party rights to institute proceedings for unfair competition. However, since the trademark registration is territorial, 
The question that would arise is whether there are any trademark registrations in Sri Lanka other than the applications filed by the applicant, and as far as the applicant is aware, whether any person in Sri Lanka is using the mark in respect of the products or services applied for. Furthermore, the knowledge the public has of the mark in association with the applicant shall contribute to the intrinsic differentiation, negating the likelihood of confusion. Hence, if the customers are well educated of their mark, the mark may have been seen to have acquired distinctiveness from those of other traders. Once the mark is considered admissible, the mark may proceed to registration, giving the owner exclusive right to use, assign, and license their mark. It is recommended to register trademarks as it will provide enforceable protection from third parties to use your mark or any mark which is confusingly similar to your mark. Page 17. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. Omotola, a proper insight into the consequences of trademarking a celebrity's name in Nigeria. Written by Ifini E. Okonkwo, senior associate, an expert in commercial intellectual property law and litigation, with over eight years of experience. An alumnus of Stillwater's law firm, Nigeria, Africa. The advice that celebrities should register their name or stage name as a trademark for the services or goods they trade appears to be gaining momentum. From 2019 to early 2022, the practice of the registration of celebrities' names has been on the increase. Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, Don Jazzy are a few examples of advertised and registered trademarks. Last year, in Nigeria, some news agencies made careless statements and blog posts on the consequences of Omotola Jalady Kane's trademark Omotola. The statements made are to the effect that the name Omotola can no longer be used by persons for the purpose of trading. This short article aims at shedding a proper insight into the consequences of trademarking a celebrity's name in Nigeria. Incorrect statements made by news agencies and blogs. Bella Nija reported, however, this trademark means that no other person can have a business in the entertainment industry with the name Omotola. Pulse Nigeria captured as follows trademarking Omotola means the name in that form, all caps, is only available to her for commercial and branding purposes. Ripples Nigeria carried the most unfortunate statement of all when it said, when a name, mostly a business name, is trademarked, it means it has been registered under patent laws, which in Nigeria is done by the Corporate Affairs Commission. CAC. These false conclusions by these agencies and a host of similar blogs have alerted the need to clear the air and explain the nature of trademarks in Nigeria. Before I begin, let me quickly discredit the account from Ripples Nigeria and note that trademarks are registered at the Trademarks Registry, not the Corporate Affairs Commission. Trademark is different from company business incorporation registration. The primary focus of registration at CAC is to give legal personality to a name. The primary focus of trademark registration is to provide exclusivity to the use of the name in the trade. Further reading on this can be found at Company Registration versus Trademark. So let us begin. What is a trademark? Is Omotola a trademark? In straightforward terms, it is a name, device, brand, heading, label, ticket, signature, word, letter, numeral, or any combination of the foregoing, 
used or proposed to be used in relation to goods for the purpose of indicating a connection in the course of trade between the goods and the proprietor, owner, or registered user. See Section 67 of the Trademarks Act. It is obvious that Omotola is a name that can be registered, but there are exceptions to this. We shall deal with the exceptions at question 4 of this article to see if Omotola's registration is challengeable under the exceptions or whether her registration is entirely exclusive. For now, suffice to note that Section 9 of the Trademarks Act allows the registration of an individual name, including company name or any other distinctive words, provided such an individual name is represented in a special or particular manner. Thus, Omotola or any other celebrity name written in a special character could be said to have met the requirements for registration. If written without any special character, such a name will not be distinctive. Does Omotola have any goods or propose to trade under the entertainment sector? Omotola is a singer with music products to her name. She sang Long Awaited in 2005 on Dugbar album. She also did another album called Me, Myself and Eyes. She even partnered with some American musicians towards the production of her third album. In 2012, Omotola launched her own reality show called Omotola, The Real Me. She has several awards from the entertainment industry. It is to be noted that the business of producing music and reality shows falls under the entertainment sector. The digitization and materials used in accessing these materials would fall as goods under the entertainment sector. Moreso, it is possible that Omotola intends to open further establishment under the entertainment sector, using the name Omotola. Is Omotola's trademark holistic or only for the entertainment sector? In Nigeria, as it is globally, trademarks are registered with respect to the classes of goods. For instance, if you have a record label registered as XXX Records under the class of entertainment, you are not generally allowed by law to oppose or exclude the use of XXX records under the class of food. One exception is where XXX records is too famous and perhaps engage in lots of businesses aside from music or where a defensive registration was obtained. So, is Omotola allowed by law to preclude others from the use of Omotola or similar marks under the entertainment sector? Section 11 and 12 of the Extant Trademarks Act prohibits registration of scandalous marks, any matter the use of which is likely to deceive or cause confusion and is disentitled to be protected in a court of justice, any mark contrary to law or morality, or names of chemical elements compound. Let us examine some of the last provisions. Now, the law does not prohibit the use of one's name as a trading name. Some have opined that it is contrary to morality for a celebrity to register a name as a trademark to bar others from using that name. That opinion fails to comprehend the stipulations of the Trademark Act. What is prohibited is not the legal right to exclusivity. That right is established by the Act. What is simply prohibited is if the mark, name, as it were, is contrary to moral standards. Can we say that Omotola as a name for Omotola TV is immoral? I do not think so. But fornication TV could be contrary to morality in a jurisdiction like Nigeria. Section 7 notes that a trademark cannot override a prior registered mark. So, where such a name has not been registered, the applicant is in the clear. More importantly, Section 8 is to the effect that any bona fide use of own name cannot be obliterated by the fact that another has registered that name. So, 
If my name is Omotola or Konkwo and I wish to open a record label, studio, called Omotola, I cannot be stopped by Omotola Jalady Kane from the use of my own birth name. Also, the section protects the use of the named place of my business, my predecessor's name in the business, and a name describing the character or quality of my goods, i.e., a Yoruba-based entertainment NGO founded on the principle that child is wealth, meaning Omotola in the Yoruba language, may choose to call its name and its products Omotola, and Omotola, the actress, cannot do anything about it. Why goods? What about services? What is the fate of celebrities who have no product line in Nigeria but rely on the service class of entertainment? The Nigerian Trademarks Act did not specify services as part of protected trademarks. However, the minister Vidi the powers of the Act to make regulations has included service marks pending the amendment of the Trademarks Act. The same has been extensively recognized in practice and by the Trademark Registry. There have been, and still are, arguments about the legality of including service marks and the fate of service marks when they are eventually challenged in court. But that argument is a story for another day. Page 20. Advertisement. Stillwater's Law Firm. People, Integrity, Service. Nigeria, Angola, OAPI. Safeguarding IP in Africa. Services. Intellectual property, media, entertainment, technology, and sports litigation. Second floor, 11 Awolo Road, Ikoyi, Lagos. P.O. Box 56161, Ikoyi, 101008, Lagos, Nigeria. Telephone, 234-0-145-471-79. Email info at stillwaterslaw.com or admin at stillwaterslaw.com www.stillwaterslaw.com Page 21. Article. The USPTO Cleaning House. Written by Michelle. S. Katz, founder partner at Advitum IP, LLC, Chicago, USA. The pandemic lead to a major shift for online business. In turn, fraudulent activity online has been on the rise, even affecting the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO. The USPTO has seen a surge in trademark filings by 40%, the most significant number of new applications in trademark history. The increase in filings is partially attributed to an increase in non-US manufacturers that want to sell in the US. Market and attract the US. Customer base. To do so effectively, foreign companies must have the US. Registered trademark. The registrations allow higher priority and product visibility through various online platforms. Due to the expense of hiring trademark counsel, some have turned to more dubious methods of acquiring trademark rights, even hijacking the credentials of U.S. Licensed attorneys to submit thousands of trademark applications. This rise in fraudulent activity has led the USPTO to amend its policies. Two notorious cases that have driven the change are Enri Abtak Limited, 360 Marketing LLC, and Retrocube LLC and Enri Yusha Zhong and Shenzhen Huani Intellectual Property Company, Limited. To briefly summarize, 
Inri Yuxia Zhong involved a China-based organization, Huanyi Intellectual Property Company, Limited, that advertised assistance for Chinese and United States trademark registrations. Huanyi was involved in filing more than 30,000 trademark applications, many in the U.S., drafted under the name Yuxia Zhong, who was not a U.S. licensed attorney. In fact, Huanyi did not have any U.S. Licensed attorneys on staff who could supervise the trademark submissions. The USPTO launched an investigation and issued an order to show cause. Respondents refuted the assertions of the order but failed to provide any evidence to rebut them. The USPTO, therefore, imposed sanctions and terminated over 15,000 trademark applications that involved Ms. John, any associated USPTO government accounts, and any agents controlled by Huanyi. Similarly, in Reabtec Limited, respondents were charged for operating a multitude of websites that advertised U.S.-based companies offering low-cost logo design and trademark registration services. From the USPTO investigation, all the websites were determined to originate from a single Pakistani company. The company was not a law firm and did not employ attorneys, so it was not authorized to file trademark applications. Respondents profited from these fraudulently-driven filings by advertising low filing fees drawing new clients, sending fake demand letters, purposely making filing mistakes, and falsifying receipts. The USPTO issued a show-cause order listing over 40 different entities that were found to be operated by Aptac, full list here, https colon double forward slash Uspto. Government Trademarks Protect Applications Terminated Abtac 360 Digital Marketing Retrocube. As within Ryusha, following the lack of evidence to rebut the order, the USPTO sanctioned the respondents by invalidating more than 5,550 trademark applications that respondents filed. The USPTO has upheld its decisions, stating that this sort of conduct infected thousands of applications resulted in false and fraudulent submissions to the USPTO, and adversely affected the integrity of the federal trademark registration process. As an ongoing response to these types of cases, the USPTO published a notice on January 5, 2022, detailing a new administrative process established by the Commissioner of Trademarks to investigate improper submissions filed with the USPTO in trademark matters. The process begins when the USPTO learns of a suspicious submission in connection with a trademark application or registration. The USPTO will launch an investigation to determine if the suspicious marks violate USPTO rules and or the USPTO website's terms of use and are part of an improper filing scheme. Once an investigation is launched, the affected application may be removed from the examination. The USPTO will update the prosecution history to reflect that the application is suspended pending review. During this time, the applicant cannot make any electronic submissions except for an express abandonment or a withdrawal of attorney. For any other submissions, the applicant must petition the director under 37C, FR. Section 2.1 for 6 requesting permission to file a further submission. If the investigation ends and the USPTO does not issue an order, the suspension will be lifted, and prosecution will continue. Alternatively, suppose the investigation results in a finding of misconduct or otherwise violates the USPTO rules. 
In that case, the USPTO may issue an order to show cause as to why sanctions should not be imposed. This order will, 1, inform the parties of the specific conduct that violates the USPTO rules terms of use, 2, identify the affected applications, and, 3, specify the proposed actions or sanctions that the USPTO would deem appropriate. If the applicant is unable to provide evidence for an alternative finding to the show cause order, the USPTO will follow up with a final order for sanctions. The sanctions may include termination of all involved applications, precluding a party from appearing in future trademark matters, deactivating all OSPTO government accounts, and more. Every step of the investigation will be publicly available in the TSDR record. The USBTO's new approach toward fraudulent filings is a testament to its dedication to protecting trademark filers and the integrity of the U.S. trademark system. Even with these comprehensive efforts, applicants should still be cautious and refer to a trusted trademark firm to handle their filings and trademark portfolio management. Page 23. Article. The Supreme People's Court of China issued a new judicial interpretation of the anti-unfair competition law to safeguard fair market order. Written by Ray Zhao, LLM, senior partner, head of the international trademark team, attorney at law and trademark attorney at Unitalent Attorneys at Law, Patent Trademark and Copyright. Author Bio Ray Zhao joined Unitalent in 2002 and engaged in confirmation, authorization, and rights protection of IP rights. He has handled a series of cases related to IP right confirmation and IP infringement of many multinational companies, like DR. Martins, McCain, and China Mobile. Ray Zhao is especially experienced in trademark, copyright, unfair competition, trade secrets, and other IP litigation and non-litigation legal matters. He has been awarded the Outstanding Individual Lawyer in China by WTR for many years for his outstanding performance in solving complex, non-litigation and challenging IP cases. On March 17, the Supreme People's Court of China issued the new interpretation, hereinafter referred to as the interpretation, of the Supreme People's Court on several issues concerning the application of the anti-unfair competition law of the People's Republic of China which will come into force on March 20, 2022. In accordance with the revised anti-unfair competition law, there are in total 29 articles in the interpretation that focus on detailed provisions on Article 2 of the anti-unfair competition law, counterfeiting and confusion, false propaganda, and unfair online competition. Since the implementation of the anti-unfair competition law, the general clause, Article 2, has become one of the main legal bases for people's courts to identify new types of unfair competition acts and has played an important role in maintaining the market order of fair competition. But, the phenomenon that the judge standard is not unified happens from time to time. In light of the above, Article 1 of the interpretation stipulates where an operator disturbs the order of market competition and damages the legitimate rights and interests of other operators or consumers and the circumstances are not in violation of Chapter 2 of the Anti-Unfair Competition Law, the Patent Law, Trademark Law, Copyright Law and other provisions, the People's Court may apply Article 2 of the Anti-Unfair Competition Law for determination. 
This clarifies the applicable relationship between general provisions and specific act provisions and provisions of the Special Law on Intellectual Property Rights and clarifies the application status of general provisions to other special laws on intellectual property rights, such as the Anti-Unfair Competition Law and Trademark Law. The core of the People's Court's determination of the legitimacy of market competition by using general terms is to judge whether the operator violates commercial ethics. According to the third article of the interpretation, business ethics in the anti-unfair competition law should not be simply equated with the daily moral standards. Still, it should be universally followed and recognized codes of conduct in specific business fields. The interpretation rules at the same time, the people's court shall be combined with the specific situation of the case, consider business rules or business practices, operators' subjective status, the choice of trading relative person will on consumers' rights and interests, the market competition order, factors such as the influence of public social interests, in accordance with the law, judge whether the operator in violation of business ethics. In addition, considering the intersection between the network management behavior and traditional management behavior, the rules with the bottom line, which could be commonly abided by and agreed with, have not been formed yet. The interpretation will allow the people's courts, which need to conclude whether the operator is in violation of business ethics, to refer to industry standards, technical specification, self-discipline, etc. Made by the competent Department of Industry, Industry Associations, and Self-Discipline Organization in order to mobilize industry associations, chambers of commerce and other organizations through the signing of industry self-discipline agreements, self-discipline articles of association and other ways to guide the enthusiasm of honest and trustworthy operators. In recent years, the network unfair competition disputes have been increasing day by day. Article 12 of the Anti-Unfair Competition Law, Network Unfair Competition Act, is a new provision after the revision of the law. Considering the fast development of the internet industry on technology and business model, Articles 21 and 22 of the interpretation do not further list new behavior. Still, they strictly grasp the legislative spirit and competition policy. It only timely sums up the experience of practice, and the applicable law requirements make appropriate refinement and provides necessary rules to guide judicial judgment. At the same time, it leaves room for market self-regulation and technological innovation. The interpretation is to strengthen the antitrust against unfair competition. It is to further implement a fair competition policy, improve the system of fair competition, promote the construction of a high-standard market system. It is of great significance. Page 25. Advertisement. Unitalent Attorneys at Law A leading IP law firm in China Offices in 20 major commercial cities in China and also in the U.S., Japan and Germany Handling over 400 IP litigations each year 236 patent attorneys, 66 trademark attorneys and 71 attorneys at law Ranking first in the top 10 patent agencies in Beijing with the most patent applications Ranking top on the list of agencies for many years in trademark applications. Address, Beijing, 7th floor, SciTech Place, number 22, Jiangwiminawai Avenue, Beijing, 100,004, China. Telephone, plus 8610 5980 
Fax plus 8610529858. Email mail at unitalon.com. Website www.unitalon.com. Page 26. Advertisement. Krishna and Sarastri Associates LLP. Krishna and Sarastri Associates LLP is a full-service intellectual property and technology law firm focused on rendering business-friendly legal advice. The firm was formed in 1992 and merged with a law practice set up in 1956. Ever since, the firm has been navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues for its diverse client base. To keep pace with the growth of its business and be ever-present for its clients, the firm has about 170 people spread across offices in the major economic centers of Mumbai, New Delhi, Bengaluru, Pune, Ahmedabad, and Chennai. The firm represents clients from all major industries and sectors. The firm's team includes specialists with niche expertise and industry experience, which is leveraged to provide clients maximum value from legal counseling. Additionally, most of the firm's professionals have formative degrees in natural sciences, engineering, arts or business, prior to qualifying as lawyers, which is useful while navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues. Over the years, the firm has been ranked among the top-tier Indian intellectual property and technology law firms consistently by leading domestic and international publications. Patents Trademarks and geographical indications. Designs. Copyrights. Mergers and acquisitions, technology transfer, licensing, franchising, joint ventures. Litigations and arbitration. Plant varieties. Biodiversity. Competition laws. International trade laws. Regulatory issues. Food, drug and medical device laws media advertising, broadcasting, and information technology laws, anti-counterfeiting, customs and border enforcement. Page 27. Article. Developments in Indian Trademark Law. Written by Mr. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, partner at Krishna and Saurastri, India. Despite the raging COVID-19 pandemic, there have been notable developments in India that may impact brand owners. We look back on some of those in this short piece. Disputes involving trademarks can be referred to as arbitration. There were two interesting cases that tackled a frequently debated issue, i.e., whether disputes involving a trademark can be resolved through arbitration. First, the Delhi High Court in Hero Electric Vehicles Private. Limited. An Anna. Versus. Electro e Mobility Private. Limited. Anana. CS, Com, 982020 and I, A. 3381 2020, after analyzing previous Supreme Court's decisions in Booz Allen and Hamilton Incorporated. Versus. SBI Home Finance Limited. An Oz. 2011, 5 SCC 532, A. Ayasami vs. A. Paramasaval and Oz. 2016, 10 SCC 386, and Vidyodrolia vs. Degore Trading Corporation, 2021, 2 SCC 1, 
cases essentially ruled that arbitrability of intellectual property disputes falls in two categories, i, those involving rights in REM, such as grant and registration of IP rights, which are sovereign functions, having ergo omnes effect, resulting in the conferment of monopoly rights, and in accordance with videodrolia, supra, cannot be arbitrated upon, and, two, those involving rights in personam such as the assignment of trademarks, which are conferred by contract and not statutory fiat, which are not disputes falling under any of the categories accepted from the arbitral umbrella. This position was reaffirmed by the Delhi High Court in the matter of Golden Toby Limited vs Golden Tobacco Limited, CS, Com, 178-2021. Abolishment of the IPAB. The erstwhile Intellectual Property Appellate Board, IPAB, has been abolished through the promulgation of the Tribunals Reforms Act, 2021. Consequentially, amendments have been carried out in the Trademarks Act, 1999. As a result, appeals will lie at the appropriate High Court. Additionally, rectification and non-use cancellation actions must be filed at the Trademarks Registry or the appropriate High Court. Setting up of the IPD at the Delhi High Court. An intellectual property division, IPD, has been created in the Delhi High Court to deal with matters relating to intellectual property rights and ancillary matters. For better governance of the matters before the IPD, rules have been framed for practice and procedure, titled the Delhi High Court Intellectual Property Division Rules, 2021. Rajya Sabha Committee Review on IPR in India. The Department-Related Parliamentary Standing Committee on Commerce presented their 161ST Report on Review of Intellectual Property Rights Regime in India on 20 July 2021. Regarding trademarks, in particular, the committee recommended that a. Further categories of classification and detailed specifications should be incorporated to avoid complexities in interpretation. b. The period for filing of third-party oppositions against published trademark applications should be reduced from the current four months to two months to bring it on par with that in the UK, Japan, South Korea, Netherlands etc. c. The trademarks registry should undertake steps in modernization and digitalization to speed up processes. d. The procedures relating to search and seizure in trademark offences be streamlined by i. Appointing in each district one or more police officers specialized in tackling IP crimes in place of a high-ranking officer. 2. Monitoring reasons for a delay in pursuing opinion from the registrar. 3. 48-hour time frame for the registrar to provide an opinion. 4. Connecting the police department and office of the registrar through a special software, and e. A special priority category is created for trademarks for export-oriented units. Trademark filings. In the year 2019-2020, the number of trademark filings reported was 334,805, which is an increase of approximately 3% from the previous year, 2018-2019, when it was 323,798. There are rumors that the filings in 2020-2021 are in the range of 430,000, which is an astonishing increase of 28%, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Opposition pendency may finally be reduced. Several steps are being taken to reduce the pendency of contested matters pending at the Trademarks Registry. First and foremost, the Registry has commenced hearing trademark oppositions through the video conference mode. 
Secondly, in 2021 a public notice was issued notifying that 30 hearing officers would be appointed for hearing and disposing of opposition matters. This appointment is expected to be completed by mid-2022. Thirdly, a subsequent public notice was also issued whereby the registry acknowledged that several opposition matters had been settled amicably by parties. Still, the registry has not passed orders to dispose of such matters due to a lack of information with the registry. Accordingly, the registry has called upon all such parties to report such facts to the registry so that suitable orders can be passed in said matters. Coexistence agreements are trending. Ask an Indian trademark practitioner, and the chances are that you will learn they are busy preparing or negotiating a coexistence agreement. With the kickstart of opposition hearings, there has been a rapid rise in instructions for preparing such agreements. Perhaps this is a mark, pun intended, of the practice developing in India. We hope to see some interesting jurisprudence develop relating to trademark coexistence, including the validity of such agreements, overlap with competition law and public interest issues. Page 29. Article. Waiting in perpetuity for trademark removal, Ghana and Nigeria compared. Written by Mrs. Sarah Norka Anku Esquire, Senior Partner and Intellectual Property Consultant, Ghana, and Mrs. Onyanichukumeri Magdalena Dotsi Esquire, Head of Chambers and Trademarks Agent, Nigeria, Anku. Anku Atlaw, Africa. In Ghana, the Trademarks Act, 2004, Act 664, as amended, and Trademarks Regulation 1970, L. I-667, provide the procedure and grounds for removal of trademarks for non-use and non-renewal. However, with some timelines for removal not explicitly stated in the Act and Regulations, the Registrar of Trademarks has construed the law as waiting in perpetuity. This led to an appeal against a decision of the Registrar of Trademarks. The case under review is an interlocutory appeal from the Registrar of Trademarks decision on a pending application for removal of a dormant trademark from the Ghana Trademarks Register. Dream Cosmetics VRS. Registrar of Trademarks 12 November 2021. Suit No. CM MISC 0556-2021 PHL Jerome Noble Nkrumah Justice of the High Court. Brief Facts. The appellant, a company registered in La Côte d'Ivoire with a business presence in Ghana, applied to the respondent, Registrar of Trademarks, on the 8th of July 2020 to register the mark miss. The appellant subsequently conducted a search which revealed that the mark miss had already been registered in the name of another entity and therefore could not be registered in its name. Upon the appellant's own investigations, it was convinced that the mark had not been used for more than five years and one month prior to the appellant's application to the respondent. Proceedings before the respondent involved an application for the removal of an unused and non-registered trademark miss in Class 5 from the Register of Trademarks pursuant to Sections 11 and 14, 1, of the Trademarks Act, 2004, Act 664, and Regulations 30-33 and 42 of the Trademark Regulations, 1970, L. I. 667, and the registration of same in the name of the appellant. On 1 September 2020, the respondent transmitted a copy of the removal application to the registered proprietor of the mark and requested the proprietor to file a counter-statement within two months if it so wished to oppose the removal application. 
Having waited for two months and one day, on the 2nd of November 2020, the appellant reminded the respondent to proceed with the removal process. However, on 26 November 2020, the respondent replied as not being in a position to accede to the appellant's requests as follows. We are guided by Regulations 42, 3, of the Trademarks Regulations, 1970, L, I.667, which states, the registrar shall not rectify the register or remove the mark merely because the registered proprietor has not filed a counter-statement. It is the appellant's case that the respondent by not reading the said Regulation 42 as a whole, together with the relevant provision of the Parent Act, the Trademarks Act, 2004, Act 664, Sections 11 and 14, 1, and other relevant provisions of L.I. 667, misconstrued the law in her response of 26 November 2020. The appellant submitted among others that, the combined effect of sections 11 and 14 of the Trademarks Act 2004, Act 664, shows that the law is pro-removal of unused marks to ensure decongestion of the trademarks register and use by other interested businesses for economic and financial development of the state. Section 14, 2, clearly states the grounds upon which an unused mark would not be removed, which is when it is shown that special circumstances prevented the use of the trademark and that there was no intention to abandon the trademark in respect of those goods or services. This can only be done when the registered owner responds to the notice of removal or comes forward with evidence to prove his use of the mark or special circumstances that prevented the use of the mark. In resisting the appeal, the respondent argued that in line with L.I. 667, she had transmitted the removal application through the agent on record of the registered proprietor notifying her of the removal application. The respondent said she afforded the proprietor, as provided by law, the opportunity to file a counter-statement within a two-month period if it so wished to challenge the application. The respondent further argued that the very regulation the appellant had relied on for the removal application is also to the effect that the respondent should not rectify the trademark register merely because the registered proprietor has not filed a counter-statement. Recognising that a determination had to be made on the application, the respondent said she communicated to the appellant that any further development would be communicated to the appellant. Holding of the court. Even though the procedure under Regulation 42 does not state in clear terms how the registrar should proceed in the absence of a response, my reading of the rules and the Act does not suggest the registrar should wait perpetually, as her posture suggests, till there is a response from the registered proprietor. That is not the intendment of the procedure. The right thing to be done is to proceed in such a situation with the applicant alone and hear the applicant on his application and make the appropriate order rather than sit back and raise all manner of possibilities contingent upon a registered proprietor showing up with a response to the application. It is not for nothing that the rulemaker has given a two-month period for the registrar to receive a counter-statement. In applying the decision in cancellation no. 14788C, Revocation, Supermax, Holdings, Limited against McDonald's International Property Company Limited, H. L. Krumer further stated that the applicant having raised non-use of the mark, the burden of proof is on the registered proprietor because it is the registered proprietor who can prove continuous use of the mark in the given period prior to the application. Discussion. The Jurisdiction of the Court. In Ghana, the jurisdiction of the court in cases of trademark removal from the trademark register is that of appellate jurisdiction. 
This, coupled with a reluctance of applicants to appeal against the decisions of the Registrar of Trademarks, has set a precedent of non-removal of unused marks, even upon application by interested parties under Section 14 of Act 664, as the posture of the Registrar has been non-removal of unused and expired marks. It is not surprising, therefore, that in the case under review, the judge concluded as follows, with the foregoing, I remit this back to the registrar to continue the procedure from where she left off or take steps to have Unilever PLC, UK notified of the request and proceeded from there to a hearing and her decision therefrom or take steps on her own authority to clean her register on the grounds of non-renewal. In Nigeria, per sections 31 and 56 of the Trademarks Act, 1990, Chapter 436, the courts have been given original and appellate jurisdiction in this matter. Therefore, the registrar's powers are minimal and directed by the court. The posture of the Nigerian courts has been use it or lose it to someone actually or continuously using it for this reason, this seems to be the practice in Nigeria. The effect of relevant provisions in the Trademarks Act. Section 7 and 8 of the Nigerian Trademarks Act, 1990, Chapter 436, has made provisions for the protection of first to use or continuous use of a trademark as it is to the effect that a proprietor of a registered mark cannot restrain another proprietor from using a mark similar to his, which has been continuously used before the proprietor registered his mark. This was reiterated in the case of American Cyanamid Company. V. Vitality Pharmaceutical Limited, 1991, L. Pella for 61, SC where the Supreme Court held that the proprietor or registered user of a trademark is not entitled to interfere with an existing trademark even if identical or nearly resembling his own if that other mark has been in continuous use before the registration of his own. In essence, the use and or continuous use of a trademark appears to be the principal way of acquiring common law rights to a trademark in Nigeria. Publication of Removals and Renewals Removals and Renewals are published in trademark journals. Apart from making publications of marks prior to registration, the Nigerian IPO publishes removed and renewed marks. This may, in some ways, serve as a check to ensure marks intended to be removed are removed and applicants whose marks are expired are duly prompted to renew their marks to prevent removal of same. For the first time in history, the Ghana IPO has published notices of a few marks that the registrar intends to remove from the trademarks register pursuant to the Ghanaian case under review and a mandamus order of the court in the case of Dream Cosmetics v. Registrar of Trademarks. Suit No. CM MISC 0577202. Perchance, the involvement of the courts of Ghana in the trademarks registration and removal process will improve the apparent laxed attitude of the Ghana IPO. The attitude of the courts. When sitting on trademark removal matters, whether at first instance or on appeal in Nigeria, the court hears the matter, gives a ruling, and makes binding orders on the parties upon which the parties may proceed to enforce the same. For instance, in the case of Procter & Gamble Company. V. Global Soap and Detergent Ind. Limited. An Anna, 2012, LCN 5116, CA where the Federal High Court lay Gosper Mustafa J. declared Ariel a generic name in relation to soap and detergents and ordered that same be expunged from the Nigerian trademark register. This is unlike the instant case where the case was reverted to the registrar to choose from three options. Instead, in Nigeria, 
the courts would make direct and concise orders on the matter without offering the Registrar of Trademarks such wide discretionary powers. Conclusion In the instant case, the judge appeared to agree with the applicant's appeal but failed to give direct and decisive orders. Rather, he reverted the case back to the Registrar with options to choose from, thus endorsing the wide discretionary powers of the Registrar of Trademarks. Our unwavering opinion is that the courts have a significant role to play in the growth of intellectual property rights jurisprudence in Ghana. It may be prudent, therefore, for the courts to seize the opportunity of any related matter brought before it, to assertively pronounce on gaps or otherwise misconstrued areas of the trademark law, to serve as precedents and to guide the Registrar of Trademarks in the timeless performance of her statutory duties. It is hoped that the Ghanaian trademark register will be cleaned as frequently as its Nigerian counterpart in the near future. Page 32. Advertisement. Enku Enku at Law, Legal Practitioners, and Intellectual Property Consultants. Make that bold step. Your IP registration and enforcement are assured with us. Enku Enku at Law, Africa. Winner of Top 50 Legal Slash IP Companies Award. Offices, Ghana slash Nigeria. Number 10 Plateau Street, off Muko Street, behind Police Training School, Accra. P.O. Box, KB331, Coralbu, Accra. Ghana Cell, plus 233-244-380-163 slash plus 233-302-266-731. Number 22 Acre Road, off Iwolf Road, Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Telephone plus 234 905 950 8874. Website www.enku at Email info at Page 33. The Women's IP World Bite Size segment is sponsored by Dumont and Ms. Laura Colada, Managing Partner, Dumont, Mexico. We continue and advance in highlighting women's essential work and contributions in IP, IP law and innovation globally. Dumont is a Mexican IP law firm founded in 1940. They are committed to assisting their clients in the selection, clearance, protection, enforcement, and exploitation of their IP rights and business interests. Dumont are experts on inventions, patents, utility models, and industrial designs, and distinctive signs, trademarks, trade names, commercial signs and appellation of origin and geographical indications. Dumont's practice extends to highly specialized topics such as litigation, copyright, information technology, corporate law and anti-counterfeiting, appraisals of both trademarks and patents in compliance with the Financial Reporting Standards, NIF, by a team of expert lawyers, litigants, and advisors in the various disciplines covered by their area. Dumont's associates stay on top of recent developments in the market and the legal area to provide value-added services. While taking their clients' commercial situation into account, they provide high-quality services that are tailor-made to fit the needs of their clients. Around the world. www.dumont.mx Page 34. Advertisement. Dumont. Your ideas are business. Your trusted IP advisor in Mexico. Your ideas. Protected. Dumont.mx. Page 35. 
article. Strategies to rebrand for socially aware companies. Written by Stacey C. Calamares, founding partner at Calamares Law Office LLC, Chicago, USA. Author bio Stacey C. Calamares is the founding partner of Calamares Law Office LLC. She has extensive intellectual property experience with a focus on global trademark prosecution and enforcement. She has protected some of the world's largest brands in more than 150 countries. She can be reached at info at In the wake of the George Floyd murder, we saw several companies decide to rebrand and remove racial stereotypes, including the Cleveland Indians, who announced they would rebrand to the Cleveland Guardians last summer. The name was met with challenges, as a roller derby team was already using the Guardian's name. It was reported that Cleveland made a splashy announcement before locking down their rights, and the roller derby team sued. Eventually, the parties were able to settle, but with a much higher payout, I'm sure, than if the rights had been secured before the big, splashy, public announcement. Uncle Ben's removed its iconography and rebranded its name to Ben's original but kept its trade dress colors. Aunt Jemima, long believed to be a racially charged name, rebranded to Powell Milling Company, a reference to the place where the product was first produced in the 1890s. When there is a controversy of any kind, how can your company, or client, rebrand without all the drama? Reasons why companies rebrand. There are many reasons why a company, or product, may wish to rebrand, among them, there could be a requirement to do so because of litigation, or the company, or business division, could be acquired or spun off. Sometimes, the name is no longer relevant, especially if the name contains a geographic reference and the company expands beyond that territory. Does anyone remember the ST? Louis Bread Company, which rebranded to Panera, when California Pizza Kitchen chose to keep its name as it expanded. As we saw in the summer of 2020, sometimes names have negative connotations or have cultural translation issues as brands expand globally. Whatever the reason, rebranding is not a quick or straightforward process, especially in the digital age. Here are some things to keep in mind if you are undergoing a rebrand. Steps in the rebranding process. The first step for most brand owners is to choose whether you want to work with an agency to assist with the naming process or whether you will go it alone. Many agencies specialize in naming and ideation, and they can be a huge help during this process. You can choose to proceed on your own, but you'll want to have many brainstorming sessions and be sure to generate many possible contenders. With either approach, you could choose to involve your consumers in the renaming process or have them vote on potential contenders later in the process. This brings me to step number two, make sure you involve your trademark counsel early in the process. Finding an available name is no easy feat many availability searches can be required to knock out unsuitable choices and narrow down your long list of brainstormed names to a manageable list of contenders. More detailed searches to discover unregistered users can help you land on a final names. If you involve your consumers, you'll want to be sure any submissions they make are owned by your company, so legal will play a very important role in making that a reality. Lastly, suppose your brand has an international presence. In that case, your trademark counsel can work with its network of international colleagues to ensure they provide the best advice on the availability of the mark in your key jurisdictions around the world. 
remember that trademarks are territorial in nature. Depending on when you launch your new brand, your trademark council may have recommendations on how best to keep the new name under wraps until you are ready to unveil it publicly. Consider the bigger strategy before you announce the rebrand. Most importantly, you must have patience. Choosing a brand name or selecting a trademark, regardless of whether you are just starting out or undergoing a rebrand, does not happen overnight. Make sure you set aside plenty of time for the trademark clearance process. There is a lot to do to search for a new name for your company or brand, especially if you are changing because of a conflict with the original name. For instance, trademark counsel should ask their clients how they thought up the name and whether it has any meaning in other languages. Before announcing the new name, you'll want to work closely with your trademark counsel on the best strategy and timing for the unveiling. Suppose you have a global brand, for instance. In that case, you may want to lock up your foreign filing rights before making any announcement to prevent squatters from securing those rights, or you might consider filing in a country that does not immediately publicly publish their applications. The point is everything you say and do will be scrutinized, and your trademark counsel will be the key to your new name's success. Let your trademark counsel do their job before you begin to develop live websites and other marketing collateral pieces, and be realistic regarding your timeline expectations. Women's IP World Annual 2023 Join the industry's number one annual publication celebrating the works and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation. Profiles, accolades, experience, rankings, articles, achievements, knowledge share. Available in print, digital and in audio format at SoundCloud, Spotify, Audible Podomatic, Amazon Music, and on Apple Podcast. Reserve your position in the Women's IP World Annual 2023 before the 1st of June to qualify for a 30% discount on our profile and editorial packages. Discount code WIPW23-30%. Email us at info at womensipworld.com or call plus 440-203-813-0457. The Women's IP World Annual 2023 is sponsored by Patent Seekers in the United Kingdom and Lex Orbis in India. www.womensipworld.com Page 38 Conference Advertisement AIPPI 125 1897 to 2022 AIPPI 125th Anniversary Celebration Conference and Dinner May 13, 2022 AIPPI World Congress San Francisco September 10 to 13, 2022 125th Anniversary Sponsorship and 2022 Congress Sponsorship Prospectus are available more info on www.aippi.org. Page 39. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective, Part 2. Written by Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst and Daniel DeFrancesco, IP Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Author Bias, Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst. Claire is an expert in undertaking IP searches, including FTO, patentability and invalidity, 
covering varying subject matter and specializing in physics and mechanics. Daniel D.I. Francesco, IP Manager Daniel is an IP manager at Patent Seekers and is an expert in undertaking FTO, patentability and invalidity searches, covering all types of subject matter with a specialism in the chemical field. Part 1 of our three-part series on climate change included a summative overview of the climate change issue, touching upon the causes, a few broad measures we can take as individuals to help mitigate further damage to our planet and how climate change is beginning to be addressed via intellectual property. The agreed aims of COP21 and COP26 were discussed, along with identifying patent-specific incentive schemes. For example, fast-track schemes by individual IP offices for green patent applications, the WIPO Green Scheme, which aims to be a marketplace for sustainable technology and the EPO creation of the climate change mitigation technologies. These CCMTs, patent classifications, Y02 asterisk and Y04 asterisk, had their activities analyzed and comparisons made to the findings of the WIPO data regarding PCT applications containing at least one IPC green energy classification, observing a generally increased activity within patented innovation for climate change. This article will look further into activity within the CCMT classifications Y02 asterisk and Y04 asterisk within the past 10 years. We will identify correlations with other classifications to gain further insight into some of the main areas of innovation which also cite the CCMTs. Figure 1 shows the classifications co-classified with Y02 and Y04. We can observe that the predominant area of application activity is the classification Y02E60, enabling technologies, technologies with a potential or indirect contribution to GHG emissions mitigation with a specific focus on Y02E6010 energy storage using batteries. We can also see relatively significant activity within Y02T1070 energy storage systems for electromobility, e.g. batteries and note slightly smaller activity within the Y02E6050 classification for fuel cells. Knowing that there has been a notable drive for a move from the fossil-fueled internal combustion engines as a means to propel vehicles, it follows that we would observe correlated increased activity within the areas of batteries, fuel cells, and battery charging. As innovation pulls in this direction towards greener battery means, it will facilitate a shift towards hybrid, fully electric, and even autonomous vehicles. The EPO identified five current trends for alternative energy and sustainability. Two of the five trends were green battery technology and fuel cells for transportation and vehicles. 1. The EPO, collaborating with the International Energy Agency, IEA, also disclosed patenting activity in batteries and other electricity storage technologies, showing that it had grown annually at an average rate of 14% worldwide stating such growth was four times faster than the average of all technology fields, too. Our data also aligns with this, looking at figure 2 below, which analyses vehicle-specific battery patent application activity over the past 11 years, using the CPC classifications. B60L50 asterisk electric propulsion with power supplied within the vehicle. B60L53 asterisk methods of charging batteries, specially adapted for electric vehicles, charging stations or onboard charging equipment, therefore, exchange of energy storage elements in electric vehicles. 
B60L58 asterisk methods of circuit arrangements for monitoring or controlling batteries or fuel cells, specially adapted for electric vehicles. Figure 2, generated using Patworld. Figure 2 shows a clear increase in the electric vehicles technology field with a specific focus on electric vehicle batteries and the charging of such batteries. Notably, there has been a substantial rise in patent families during the past five to six years, where a plateau may not yet have been reached. It should be noted that the lower number of patent families for 2021 in large would be due to the delay from the 18-month publication cycle. It may also be a knock-on effect from the pandemic, and it will be interesting to see if the trend in application growth reaches pre-pandemic levels again quickly. This steady increase of electric vehicle technology in intellectual property is also reflected in consumer habits, with plug-in electric vehicle sales in the UK increasing roughly 140% annually. 3. Although the increases are significant, the sales of plug-in electric cars still only account for 6.6% of the total market. In order for this technology to achieve a substantial impact on climate change, the uptake from consumers will need to increase. Various issues need to be addressed before it is likely we see fully electric cars become the popular consensus, a few main barriers being Cost, as the technology is still relatively new to the market, the upfront cost may be high. Lack of infrastructure, not everyone has a home compatible with charger installation, while public charging spaces may not be common in all areas. Charging time, depending on battery capacity and charger speed, a full charge can take multiple hours. Range, the full charge range of an electric car can be limited, which, when paired with slow charging time, may affect the ability for long journeys. As the technology progresses, it will be interesting to see how these accessibility barriers are overcome and the effect that a larger uptake will have on climate change. From figure 1, we can also see there is significant innovation in the area of climate change mitigation technologies in the production process for final industrial or consumer products, Y02P70 star. Specifically, this classification covers greenhouse gas capture and manufacturing processes characterized by the final manufactured product, i.e. low-carbon technologies and or negative emissions technologies. As depicted in Figure 3, since 2011, there have been 145,805 patent families recorded within the Y02P70 asterisk classification. We can see China has the most activity with 110,002 patent families within this field, with the United States having the second highest activity with 24,366 patent families. However, it highlights the potential for more innovation from countries such as the United Kingdom, which holds a significantly lower number of patent families, 599, within this field. Such technologies would not relieve our planet's environment of the damage already done. It could pave the way to reach zero emissions and limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, as outlined by COP21 and COP26, by 2050. Some countries involved with such climate change summit agreements have already begun putting actions in place, such as the UK government's direct air capture and greenhouse gas removal program, 4. Figure 4 generated using Patworld. Figure 4 depicts a larger class analysis on Y02 asterisk technologies or applications for mitigation or adaptation against climate change, highlighting the main CPCs that are co-classified with these.
If we look outside of the CCMT classifications, we can see that the major areas utilized relate to methods of electricity generation, H02, batteries, H01, and vehicle propulsion, B60L. The apparent focus on this technology area when attempting to deal with climate change only serves to highlight the important role it will play in attempting to adapt to our current way of life. Various issues need to be addressed before it is likely we see fully electric cars become the popular consensus, a few main barriers being lack of electrical supply from national grids to cope with large numbers of electric vehicles charging simultaneously, mining of materials for batteries and battery lifetime. Although there have been breakthrough technologies that may overcome these problems to a certain degree, e.g. The work of John B. Goodenough https colon double forward slash www.electricum.org x news John Goodenough's latest battery. In general, the use and implementation of green batteries and electricity generation make a significant impact when utilized by large companies and technologies. However, there are also a variety of small changes that we as individuals can make to attempt to reduce our carbon footprint and mitigate the effects of climate change. In the next part of this series, we will investigate a variety of lesser-known areas in which we can adapt our lifestyles to make positive change, exploring a range of unique environmentally friendly solutions that could soon become part of our daily lives. References links relating to this article are available in to view in the digital version of this publication only. Page 44. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this publication. The Global Impact of IP. Driving Progress with Innovation Insights. Written by Andrew Mattock, President, LexisNexis Intellectual Property Solutions, USA. It cannot be understated, patents are a primary driver of the world economy. Recent data shows that intangible assets now account for 90% of the SANP market value. Point one. This fact highlights the increasingly critical role played by the IP department in driving global innovation while supporting the development, monetization, and management of a company's patent portfolio. Yet understanding the patent landscape is highly complex. The broad availability and accessibility of information increase the pressure on IP professionals to be more efficient and make better informed decisions. They need to determine quickly, are we missing out on a significant development? Do we have the complete picture to make the right decision? And how can we most efficiently innovate? Using IP data to facilitate better informed business decisions. According to the World Intellectual Property Organization, Annual patent filings have risen from 1 million in 1995 to over 3 million in 2020.2 While much of this patent data is publicly available and can be sourced from patent offices worldwide, the quality of the raw data is often insufficient for decision-making. One common reason analysts struggle to work with patent data is incomplete ownership information. Patents do not necessarily state the entity ultimately controlling them. They might be filed under various names such as subsidiaries or inventors, making it almost impossible to create a holistic company profile. Without knowing which company has the commercial power over an invention, analyses become void. Therefore, enhancing raw, 
Global patent data with value-add data and data enrichments enables businesses to get a better understanding of patent portfolios, their own and those of competitors, partners, potential licensees, or MANDA targets. Data in our IP analytics platform, LexisNexis Registered Trademark Symbol Patent Site Registered Trademark Symbol Registered Trademark Symbol, links to the current ultimate owner, i.e., the entity on top of a corporate structure that exerts control over the patent and its underlying invention. Graph 1. Of course, the mere existence of a patent does not mean it is valuable and assessing the impact of the IP department and the trajectory of a portfolio is tricky. While patents can be active for years and years, past influence does not always equal current momentum. So, how can businesses support use cases like trend scouting and better understand the true value and trajectory of their most important assets? The left side of graph 2 shows the pure number of patent filings citing swatch registered trademark symbol each year per citing company. The right side shows the accumulated strengths of active patent citing swatch for each year per citing company. Changing the data view from filing year to reporting year and the measure from size to strength, Patent Site Registered Trademark Symbol Analytics uncovers an eye-opening trend, the increase in mentions from Tech Behemoth Apple Registered Trademark Symbol. The company completely disrupted the watch market in 2015. Graph 2. When industrial manufacturing and automation pioneer, Siemens, determined they needed to adjust their IP approach from quantity-driven to a value-driven strategy, they turned to the Patent Asset Index TM an objective measure of global technological strength found in patent site registered trademark symbol. Siemens used patent site insights to increase the quality of their patents, ensuring their portfolio aligned with their business goals and created value. Our customer, Chief IP Counsel at Siemens, Beat Weeble, describes more aptly, you can only improve what you can measure. The best measure of the quality of a patent is going to court, but just 5% of patents ever go. We needed an indirect measure and a tool that would help us measure the quality of each patent and our entire patent portfolio and track quality changes over time compared to our competitors. Beyond the primary business use cases, access to this type of data is valuable not only for corporations but also for governmental organizations, universities, and research institutions to better inform research and development, attract funding and complement information from scientific literature with innovation insights. Bringing clarity to sustainable innovation. Sustainability has fast become the world's most critical initiative and a top innovation driver. Across the globe, companies are searching for strategies to identify, measure and prove sustainable contributions. Providing more clarity into sustainability is why we mapped global patents to the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, in patent site. Sustainable technology development is a highly dynamic and competitive space, and the new, objective measure provides the innovation community with previously unavailable insights into global sustainable technological progress. We can better understand who truly delivers sustainable solutions or who may be greenwashing their efforts. Strength of SDG-related patents by top 10 of strongest patent portfolio owners per United Nations Sustainability Goal. For the past two years, we have witnessed remarkable developments to help fight the COVID-19 virus. Whether in the form of preventative measures or medical treatments, researchers and scientists have had excellent momentum in delivering solutions for one of the most significant crises of our time.
We see this innovation reflected in our new IP report, Innovation Momentum 2022, the global top 100, which aims to uncover true technological contemporaries across industries. In large part because of their work on technology addressing the coronavirus, pharmaceuticals are the most represented industry on the list, with 17 companies in the top 100. This chart shows the average patent quality, competitive impact, versus portfolio size for pharmaceuticals industry sector patent owners. The bubble size for the patent owner scales with portfolio strength, patent asset index. Johnson & Johnson represents the strongest patent portfolio in the analysis, and their recent business activities reflect why. In January 2020, the company announced that it was mobilizing resources at its Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies to launch a multi-pronged response to the novel coronavirus, including developing a vaccine candidate. In March 2020, the company selected a lead COVID-19 vaccine candidate. After clinical trials, the company submitted an application to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, requesting an emergency use authorization, EUA, for its single-dose Janssen COVID-19 vaccine candidate, granted in February 2021. Providing quality data analysis and visualizations brings new context and visibility to the value of IP and the innovation that it represents. Accelerating innovation by enabling better outcomes. Our mission at LexisNexis Registered Trademark Symbol Intellectual Property Solutions is to deliver better outcomes to the IP community by helping them make more informed decisions, be more productive and be more effective. We aim to empower innovators by combining content and data with analytics and technology and delivering new advanced insights to our customers. Being part of LexisNexis and RELX, our information network contains three petabytes of legal and news data across more than 65 billion documents, that's 150 times the size of Wikipedia. These ever-growing datasets offer excellent opportunities to improve outcomes for clients, predict innovation for better business strategy and enable innovators to stay ahead of the curve. At LexisNexis Registered Trademark Symbol Intellectual Property Solutions, we have always believed whenever a person innovates or works on a patent and understands the future trajectory of a specific technology, that person has the potential to fundamentally change how society operates. We know the power of patents. If we succeed in helping the IP community make informed decisions, be more productive and achieve superior results, we enable them to accomplish more. By bringing clarity to the innovation ecosystem, we empower innovators to shape the future. Page 47. Advertisement. New report. Who is leading the innovation race? Read Innovation Momentum 2022 the global top 100 report to find out. Who are the world's leading IP departments? Find out in our new report. Innovation Momentum 2022, the global top 100 is the first report to measure innovative strength over the last two years and highlight technology owners who outperform their peers. The result is a more inclusive list of innovators, capturing the mature technology fields dominated by multinationals and small startups with early disruptive innovation. Download the report for free at go.lexisnexisip.com forward slash innovation report. LexisNexis. Page 48. Conference advertisement. Registration is now open. 
Asipi Costa Rica Seminar June 5th to June 7th, 2022 Metaverse, the new frontier of intellectual property, myth or reality Location, Los Suenos Marriott Ocean and Golf Resort Register now at asipi.org forward slash Costa Rica 2022 Asipi 2022 Page 49 Article Non-obviousness, a big dilemma in patenting Written by Mr. Divien Duverma, head of the patent department, Audurivox, Dubai, UAE. Author bio, Diviendu has vast experience in IP strategic advisory, patent drafting, prosecution and litigation. He has successfully handled and managed large IP projects for multiple national and international clients, including framing IP strategy and IP implementation framework and assisting clients in building their IP portfolios. In the high-tech industry, he has handled various issues, including the protection of software patents. His expertise includes advising on issues related to SEPs, technology standards, and indemnification for patent IP infringement. He has rich experience in technology deployment involving the implementation of telecom, IT infrastructure, and software development. He regularly appears before various patent offices and courts in matters relating to patent prosecution and enforcement. A patentable invention needs to have novelty, non-obviousness, inventive step, as well as industrially applicability for getting valid patent protection in India or, for that matter, across the world as these requirements are more or less similar in all different jurisdictions, and therefore, the parameters for determining inventive step non-obviousness slightly differs country-wise. Inventive step or non-obviousness. It is important to note that the patent laws in some countries use the term inventive step while some other jurisdictions use non-obviousness. Accordingly, the term inventive step and non-obviousness have been used interchangeably in the present article. Here in this article, the author has assumed that the invention is able to demonstrate novelty. Therefore, the focus of the article is on the aspect of non-obviousness requirements and how these requirements have been interpreted differently by the different courts of law. In order to understand the obviousness, it is essential to know that the word obvious has originated from the Latin word obvious, ab, before, plus via, way, meaning being in the way. 1. In patent law, obviousness is tested using predefined rules that have been laid down by various courts of law in different patent jurisdictions. For example, the examination of inventive step, non-obviousness, in India has been largely developed on judicial expositions. The Indian Patents Act, 1970 has defined inventive step in Section 2, 1, J.A., as a feature of an invention that involves technical advance as compared to the existing knowledge or having economic significance or both and that makes the invention not obvious to a person skilled in the art. Point 2. The Five-Step Test. The Delhi High Court in F. Hoffman La Roche vs. Sipla Limited 3 after referring to Bishwanath Prasad Radhaishyam vs. Hindustan Metal Industries Limited 4 and other notable foreign rulings, the court laid down the five-step test for inventive step inquiry, where the following inquiries are to be conducted. Step number 1, to identify an ordinary person skilled in the art. Step number 2, to identify the inventive concept embodied in the patent. 
Step number three, to impute to a normal skilled but unimaginative ordinary person skilled in the art what was common general knowledge in the art at the priority date. Step number four, to identify the differences, if any, between the matter cited and the alleged invention and ascertain whether the differences are the ordinary application of law or involve various different steps requiring multiple, theoretical, and practical applications. Step number five, to decide whether those differences, viewed in the knowledge of the alleged invention, constituted steps that would have been obvious to the ordinary person skilled in the art and rule out a hindsight approach. In arriving at the five-step test, the Delhi High Court further stated that whether an invention involves novelty and inventive step or is obvious is a mixed question of law and fact, and must depend on fact and circumstances of each case, and that though no absolute or uniform formula can be laid down to ascertain obviousness. Furthermore, during the inquiry of the inventive step, the role of the skilled person become important. The Delhi High Court, therefore, identified the skilled person as a person who practices in the field of endeavor belongs to the same industry as the invention, possesses average knowledge and ability and is aware of what was common general knowledge at the relevant date. In another landmark case, the Supreme Court of India in Bishwanath Prasad Radhayshyam Supra addressed the inventive step inquiry in combination and improvements patent applications. The Supreme Court held that for the claimed invention to constitute an inventive step, the claimed invention should be more than a mere workshop improvement. Specifically, in the case of combination patents, the Supreme Court held that the claimed invention must be new or result in an article substantially cheaper or better than what existed before. Further, in the case of an improvement patent, the improvement must itself constitute an inventive step. In the United States. On the other hand, in the United States, the combination patents are well defined in Black's Law Dictionary as patent granted for an invention that unites existing components in a novel way. 5. Further, the combination patents are examined based on the well-defined test in KSR International Company. V. Teleflex Incorporated 6 by the United States Supreme Court, SC. The SC held that the inventors who apply for combination patents must satisfy a two-pronged test for non-obviousness to obtain a valid combination patent. The first-pronged test, in fact, merges two earlier tests by the SC, firstly, the original synergy test, where the grant of a combination patent is rejected by the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO, if a patent examiner determines that the claimed invention is obvious to a person of ordinary skill in the art. Secondly, the Graham factors as laid down in Graham et al. versus John Deere Company 7 where the patent examiner objectively compares the claimed differences between the claimed invention and the closest prior art while keeping in mind the level of ordinary skill in the art. Further, the second prong test is a teaching, suggestion, or motivation, TSM, test developed by the SC as a standard methodology to provide insight and understanding of pending claims. Under the TSM test, a patent claim is obvious when some motivation or suggestion to combine the prior art teachings can be found in the prior art, the nature of the problem, or the knowledge of a person having ordinary skill in the art. 8. The TSM test is suitable to identify a reason that would have prompted a person of ordinary skill in the relevant field to combine the elements in the way the claimed new invention does. 9. In KSR International Company. 
The Teleflex Incorporated 10 The SC unanimously rejected the CAFC's rigid application of the TSM test for obviousness and reaffirmed the historical pedigree and current applicability of its broader approach to obviousness. Teaching away is another important concept to analyze obviousness under the US patent law. This concept is based on the issue of motivation to combine different elements in a manner set out by a patent claim, and such motivation is important to the analysis of obviousness. Let us examine a recent decision by CAFC in Chemers Company FC, LLC v. Daikin Industries, Limited 11 where the CAFC makes the analysis much easier to find out about the prior art references and teaches away from the claimed invention. In this case, the CAFC overturned the PTAB's obviousness decision and decided that PTAB failed to sufficiently describe why a skilled person would modify a prior art reference when doing so involved modifying its inventive concept. However, the history of teaching away doctrine is full of surprises. For example, the CAFC in Henri Gurley 12 opined that a reference may be said to teach away when a person of ordinary skill, upon reading the reference, would be discouraged from following the path set out in the reference or would be led in a direction divergent from the path that was taken by the applicant. In another case of Henri Fulton 13 the CAFC evaluated whether a prior art that disclosed possible substitutes to the claimed features could be considered as teaching away from the claimed combination. The CAFC decided in negative and held that because such disclosure does not criticize, discredit, or otherwise discourage the solution claimed in the subject application, it does not teach away from the purported combination. Emphasis added. The European Union Jurisdiction. Let us also look at the European Union Jurisdiction where the requirement of obviousness is more or less similar to the United States. According to European patent law, an invention shall be considered involving an inventive step if, having regard to the state of the art, it is not obvious to a person skilled in the art. If the state of the art also includes documents within the meaning of Article 54, Paragraph 3, these documents shall not be considered in deciding whether there has been an inventive step. Further, the European Union utilizes the Kudwood test, where instead of only determining if a person skilled in the relevant field could perform the invention, it is determined whether the person would arrive at the claimed invention given the relevant teaching and technology at the time of the invention. In other words, could refers to the theoretical possibility of finding the solution, while would denotes whether the skilled person would have practically found the solution in view of the context in which the solution is presented. In almost all practical scenarios, the EPO has used the problem-solution approach to determine the inventive step of the claimed invention as the problem-solution approach is the benchmark of EPO examination guidelines. However, the EPO board decision in case T465-9214 attracted lots of attention because the board stated in the decision that the problem-and-solution approach is no more than one possible route for the assessment of inventiveness. Specifically, the board decided to avoid the problem and solution approach because it considered that the all seven relevant cited prior arts were all equally close to the claimed invention and therefore, the opponent ought not to be tied down by having to select one or more citations as being closer than others. 15. Consequently, the board considered them all individually without selecting one as the closest prior art document. Further, the EPO board decision in T46592 also notes that there may be situations that can result in complicated multi-step reasoning where the facts were clear, either for or against inventiveness. 
Thus, if an invention breaks new ground, it may suffice to say that there is no close prior art rather than constructing a problem based on what is tenuously regarded as the closest prior art. 16. Taking a clue from the above case T for 6592, the applicant in case T1880917 has to approach the EPO Board of Appeals against the refusal of a patent application by the examining division of EPO. The applicant has argued that the problem-solution approach should not be used in the present case. Although the examining division of EPO used the problem-solution approach as a tool to provide a consistent test to assess the inventive step of a claimed invention, there were cases like T for 6592, where the EPO board has decided that its application was not appropriate because it hindered rather than assisted in answering the ultimate question of whether or not the claimed invention was obvious over the cited prior art references. Accordingly, in this case, T188809, the board opined that the problem and solution approach is regularly applied as an auxiliary means by the EPO to decide whether or not claimed invention fulfills the requirements of the inventive step as provided in Article 56 of EPC. As a closing remark to the present article, the author would like to conclude by stating that more or less, the interpretation of obviousness or lack of inventive step is broadly similar all over the world. The only difference is in approaches and or methods laid down by the various courts while interpreting the law of the respective countries. Page 53. Advertisement. Adiri Vox. A client-centric IP practice. Intellectual property rights management and protection. Middle East, Asia, Africa. Email, global at adirivox.com. Website, www.audirivox.com Page 54. Conference Corner Segment. 2022, Voices of the Associations. This segment is for the IP event organizations and associations that we have media partnerships with worldwide. We are offering them the floor to keep you, our audience, up to date with future events and IP conference trends throughout the year so you never miss any of these important events and seminars internationally. Mladen Vukma, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, HR. Ziga Vink, INTA President 2022. The Global IP Matrix Magazine, Official Conference Media Partners. For 2022 Conference Media Partnerships contact, info at gipmatrix.com. Page 55. Article. ECTA 40th Annual Conference. Designing the Future. Welcome to the City of Copenhagen. Written by Mladen Vukma, ECTA First Vice President, ECTA Program Committee Chair, HR. Author bio Mladen is practicing IP law in Zagreb, Croatia, where he founded Vukma and Associates Law Firm in 1991. Mladen obtained his law degree from the University of Zagreb and his master's degree in IP from Franklin Pierce Law. He specializes in IP, information and telecommunications law, licensing, commercial law, litigation, and ADR. Mladen worked for the California-based law firm Fennec and West, the Italian law firm Pavia Ionsaldo and the Unido, among other stints. He also served as a consultant to the Croatian government's Ministry of Science and Technology, the World Bank, the European Commission Cards Programme, and WIPO. Mladen served at the International Chamber of Commerce, ICC, 
Standing Committee for Expertise. Recently, he focused primarily on strategic advising of the expanding Central European businesses, and he is an active mentor on the local startup scene. Another extraordinary ECTA conference is coming soon, on 15 to 18 June 2022. You may expect great guests and speakers and a very engaging program with informative sessions, lively discussions, exciting gatherings, and Saturday excursions. New to this year's format, first-time attendee reception, in-house council breakfast, Friday pass, online kickoff workshops, and tailored workshops for young professionals. Register by the 21st of April to get the early bird fee. Boasting a strong design tradition, Copenhagen is ideal for the theme of the ECTA 40th conference, designing the future, as creativity and great minds come together to solve and discuss the challenges of tomorrow. After the success of last year's reduced-sized hybrid conference in Vienna, we are looking forward to bringing back this edition at its full speed and usual format with intensive networking, learning opportunities and some upgraded features. Let me give you a peek. On Wednesday, the 8th of June, we will kickstart by offering two workshops exclusively online as part of the conference package. Our attendees will learn more about the practical, ethical aspects and professional responsibility of using the AI tools in the IP arena. Also, besides the traditional legal tools, we will find out which communication tools contemporary councils need to have in their quiver. Wednesday, the 15th of June, will be fully dedicated to the ECTA Supervisory Board and Committee meetings. While the Supervisory Board will discuss ECTA strategic aspects, the committee meetings will be invaluable to network with peers, work on committee projects, and exchange the latest case law and legislative and policy developments. To get first-time attendees acquainted, we are planning a dedicated reception followed by a welcome gathering with all other participants at Langelini Pavilonin. Thursday, the 16th of June, will be the first of two immersive educational and networking days with the most distinguished guests and speakers. We will look closely at developments and plans for the future of IP rights, data and other intangibles, fashion and design and how to prepare a lawyer for the interest-based solutions dispute management. Last but not least, a gourmet taste of the Danish cuisine at the Royal Playhouse. On Friday, the 17th of June, we will continue with breakfast for in-house counsel and parallel sessions to double the morning's educational offer. As one cannot design the future without looking at the past, we will learn more about the history of ECTA and the IP profession in light of the practical issues for new generations and about licensing IP and startups. Designed especially for new practitioners, we will also offer a session on trademark evidence in appeal proceedings, tips and tricks based on examples and experience. After the announcement by the ECTA President of the winners of the ECTA Award 2022, there will be a competition for IP professionals and students, and the last two sessions will be dedicated to the role of IP in the restaurant industry and the usual EU case law update. The Conference Hotel of Scandic Copenhagen will offer a unique location to explore the city. A short bus ride will take participants to the Copenhagen seaside, Langelini Pavilonin and Royal Playhouse, on Wednesday and Thursday. On Friday, as the venue is within walking distance, we will walk and talk as we head towards the Wallman Circus building for the gala dinner, where a very unique show will be waiting for you. Would you like to make your conference trip even more pleasant? 
You can do this by participating with your ECTA friends in one of the Saturday excursions offered. You can discover all must-sees in beautiful Copenhagen, such as the Little Mermaid, Amalienborg Palace, the Royal Danish Opera House, the colorful Harbour District of Nyhan, the Old Stock Exchange, the Christiansborg Palace, Rosenborg Castle and Tivoli Gardens. The more curious can also attend a day trip in Roskilde and learn more about the Viking story. Get ready for another extraordinary ECTA conference. Early bird registration is available until the 21st of April, included. Hurry up and secure your place. Given the success of last year's hybrid format, we decided to offer again the opportunity to attend the conference program remotely via the virtual hub. Online attendees will be able to access online kickoff workshops on the 8th of June plus conference learning program on the 16th and the 17th of June. Asterisk committee meetings on the 15th of June are not included. If you would like to attend part of the conference only, you can opt for the Friday pass, which includes access to online kickoff workshops on the 8th of June plus conference on the 17th of June, including gala dinner and show at Woolman's. ECTA contact details. Rue des Colonies 1824, Box 8, 8th floor, BE 1000, Brussels, Belgium. Tell, plus 32-2513-528, 5 fax, plus 32-251-309-14. Email, ECTA at ECTA.org. Website, www.ECTA.org. Page 57. Conference Advertisement ECTA Copenhagen 15th to 18th of June 2022 The Designing Future 40th Annual Conference Register at www.ecta.org or call plus 32-251-35285 Page 58 Conference Advertisement International Trademark Association 2022 Annual Meeting Live April 30th until May 4th, 2022, Washington, D.C., USA Join the most influential brand professionals from across the globe and across industries at the largest gathering of its kind. INTA's annual meeting Live Plus is bridging the physical and digital divide with an event unlike any other, with Options for everyone Two ways to register. Live. In-person event in Washington, D.C. About 5,000 brand and IP professionals. Best practice health and safety precautions. Unparalleled IP education. Business development. Network with INTA Connect. Registration includes both in-person attendance and access to the virtual platform. Virtual only. Access to the annual meeting virtual platform. Connect with colleagues from around the world. Unparalleled IP education. Programming in various time zones. Virtual track plus live stream sessions on demand. Network with INTA Connect. Online business development opportunities. Register now at www.inta.org forward slash 2022 AM. Page 59. Article. The Global IP Matrix Magazine interviews INTA President, Mr. Ziga Vink. 
The Global IP Matrix had the pleasure to sit down with INTA President Ziga Vink a few weeks prior to our arrival in Washington, D.C., to discuss what is no doubt a crucial year for the association. 2022 marks the return to in-person annual meetings for the International Trademark Association, INTA. Mr. Vink is Intellectual Property Director at MF Brands Group, the Swiss group that owns the fashion and lifestyle brands Lacoste, Gant, AIGLE, Technofiber, and the Coupoles. In this role, he oversees the brand's global IP and brand protection function and leads a team of IP professionals responsible for all prosecution, clearance, and enforcement work. In his role as INTA president, Mr. Vink is chair of the board of directors and executive committee. Please share with us a bit of your professional background and career. I was trained as a lawyer in the Netherlands, my home country, choosing to specialize in IP early in my studies. I was immediately fascinated by the topic, IP is very much about protecting creative outputs, whether that's an invention, on the patent side, art, protected by copyright, or design. Trademarks and branding are also visually oriented. I've always appreciated this in architecture, art, and life. This was one of the reasons why I was so intrigued by IP early on in my career. And still, today, when I see how creative teams operate, it reminds me that it's a privilege to be involved in making their idea commercially viable and protecting the exclusivity of crucial elements. In my first role at a law firm in the Netherlands, I was already specializing in IP. I then moved in-house, in the cosmetic sector, in France, and, after several years, I moved to the fashion sector, working for Lacoste. Subsequently, MF Brands Group, which is based in Switzerland, acquired Lacoste, and this is where I find myself today. With INTA, I began, like many members, by volunteering on a committee, first on the Anti-Counterfeiting Committee, with a focus on Southeast Asia. It was fascinating to see the breadth of the work, the many discussions going on, and the different ways that we could harmonize IP in that region. It was an eye-opener for me to see just how much work there is to be done in the world of IP and the active role that INTA plays in that. Over time, I took on more responsibilities in the association and rose through the ranks to eventually be nominated to join the board of directors. I'm fortunate that throughout my career, my bosses have always been involved in INTA and have been supportive of my participation in the association. Let's talk about 2022. What are your priorities and goals for your presidential year? 2022 is a pivotal year for INTA. We begin the implementation of our 2022-2025 strategic plan, and it's also the start of a new two-year committee term. This is important for a member-driven organization because so much of what we do is committee-oriented, which is the starting point for many new initiatives and projects. We have set ourselves clear and realistic but ambitious objectives for the term. Ensuring that every committee can do its work is very important for the association and very important to me personally. I want to support the committees and do so in service of the strategic plan. The last two years have no doubt been difficult for everyone. One challenge for INTA has been to maintain the strong community spirit that fuels our work and energizes our volunteers and members globally. Keeping our community together and strong is a priority. I have also convened a presidential task force, PTF, under the title IP Reporting for Brands. 
It will study how brands report their IP, both internally and externally. The value of IP to a brand and the value of IP professionals is misunderstood and undervalued globally. That poses a major problem for brands and particularly for in-house IP teams. I have always had an interest in this issue. So, to have a task force of talented INTA members looking into this matter is very exciting for me personally and for the industry. From your perspective, what exactly is the issue that the PTF is working to address? In-house IP legal teams work with different stakeholders internally, such as branding, finance, and marketing departments. Our contribution, the value we bring, is self-evident to us, but what we do with the IP as in-house IP teams along with our external counsel is often unclear among these stakeholders. We have to show what we're doing and explain why it's important. And yes, we can repeatedly say that it's important to have trademarks and have a legal monopoly to preserve them, but it's not always easy to understand for people who are not experts in this domain. To this end, there's not a lot of knowledge or experience shared on how to speak the language of a non-expert. An expert can quickly become extremely technical when they talk about their subject matter expertise. The message usually gets lost. As a community, we should be a little bit more conscious of the consequences of not doing any reporting at all or to report in the wrong way. This task force represents a starting point for course-correcting IP reporting for brands. Thinking broadly, what ultimately does the profession stand to gain and brands stand to gain if this specific issue is resolved? When we manage to convince others about the value of both IP and the IP legal team and what it means for the brand, we will get more attention at a management level. There will be more to measure, more to read and understand, and I think management will create time for it. This will result in an overall better understanding of the importance of IP in a company and the role and contribution of the in-house IP legal team and their external counsel. This increased awareness and understanding will filter down through the company and improve engagement between legal and other departments. A more engaged IP team will only benefit the brand in the long term. How will law firms benefit from the work of this PTF, and how can they get involved in better IP reporting? IP reporting takes time because you need to collate all the contents and consider all kinds of KPIs, such as portfolio size and global coverage, and all the consequential decisions that we make on a daily basis. I know from experience that it's a lot of work to produce these reports. Quite frankly, many in-house teams don't have the staff to do it or even if they do have the staff, they don't have the time. It's an additional activity that is not a core daily operational activity. So, I can very well imagine that law firms or other legal service providers can offer this kind of service and help companies produce these reports. A key finding from the IP law firm's think tank report, released by INTA in 2020, is that law firms need to look for ways to diversify their services and differentiate themselves. This is certainly something that could be partially or fully outsourced to external counsel. How does INTA's 2022-2025 strategic plan reflect how the IP industry and professionals evolve? The IP domain is evolving. The trademarks domain is evolving. This is because the underlying companies and brands that we work to protect are evolving. Likewise, consumers and the global marketplace are evolving. As brand professionals, our mandate and influence are widening. 
we must continue focusing on the legal and technical aspects of IP. That will remain unchanged and is reflected in the first strategic objective, promote and reinforce the value of brands. This is the traditional role that INTA has always played, and that will remain a key pillar of what we do. But brands are evolving, the world is evolving, and consumers expect more from brands. We want to mirror this evolution. The second strategic pillar, build a better society through brands, covers topics that reflect important societal changes, ones that brands attach a lot of value to, such as corporate social responsibility, CSR, environmental, social, and governance, ESG, diversity equity and inclusion, DEI, and trust and transparency. Through the work of the third pillar, support the development of IP professionals, we will equip members to elevate and advance IP effectively, and to strengthen their own career and leadership development, as brands, and the profession itself evolves. As an association and a community, how will INTA benefit by engaging in issues such as CSR, DEI, and ESG? We are a member-driven organization representing many global brands, which attach tremendous value to these issues. This is largely because these issues increasingly dominate brands' relationship with consumers, who must make choices in the shopping aisles. In INTA's Gen Z Insights, Brands and Counterfeit Products Study, 85% of respondents believe that brands should aim to do good in the world. Gen Z is now the largest consumer group globally, and their beliefs play an increasingly central role in purchasing decisions. When issues like CSR and DEI become central to consumer choice, Brands must pay attention must act in order to retain and or grow their share in the marketplace. But more than that, it's also about doing the right thing, and that goes for INTA too. We want to support our members and brands on these issues, but we, too, as an association and community, want to assume greater social responsibility. Take DEI, for example, we are the International Trademark Association, which signifies that we represent people from all over the world. We want to have a global view, which means that we must be fully inclusive, and we want to embrace diversity. Otherwise, we cannot support our members in this way. So, for example, at the association level level, we have been holding educational sessions, podcasts, and other activities related to DEI, we now have a chief diversity officer, and we've revitalized the INTA Foundation to focus on educational and professional development opportunities in IP for diverse, underrepresented populations around the world. What does it mean for you personally and as the 2022 INTA president to be returning to an in-person annual meeting? It's a privilege to be INTA's president in 2022. I have seen the work done under difficult circumstances by staff and members and by my predecessors Ayala Deutsch in 2020 and Tiki Dare in 2021. They worked incredibly hard to ensure that the organization has adapted and taken the right measures to keep INTA moving forward. It has been extremely difficult, and they navigated this in an environment where they were not able to meet in person. They have done an outstanding job keeping us on track and keeping us together as a community. But the human aspect of being together has been deeply missed, and I am very happy that this is changing now and that we have the annual meeting back in person. So, yes, it's a major privilege for me. I'm deeply grateful to Ayala and Tiki, as well as our dedicated volunteers and the INTA staff, and I'm very excited for our members. 
If you have only one message that resonates with the global IP community in 2022, what would that message be? We are first and foremost a community. And despite the fact that we have many competing companies and firms as members, there has always been a strong community spirit and a very positive attitude, and that is not automatic. This is something that our community want, that we have always stood for, and we must continue striving to maintain the strong links between us. It's the most important thing we have. Page 63. Empowering the future of IP in Africa. Asia and the Middle East segment. Sponsored by Minyago and Associates. Minyagog and Associates Law Firm. Settled in Cameroon for about 15 years, Minyagog and Associates Law Firm is a pluridisciplinary professional team, who have in common the same rigor in their operating way. Thanks to closely selected lawyers, the cabinet stands as dual in the legal and paralegal field in Central Africa. As dedicated representatives alongside the African Intellectual Property Organization, OAPI, the cabinet gathers eminent advisors and specialists in matters of intellectual property endowed with a thorough experience. www.miniagoglawfirms.com Page 64. Article. Changing IP in Africa. Written by Bryce Nyakua, OAPI accredited agent and partner at Minyagog and Associates, Cameroon. Despite the horrors of the COVID-19 pandemic for more than three years, the earth has not stopped turning, and the world of industrial property has remained in this gear despite everything. The actors in this field and the institutions that administer them have not ceased to show resilience by imagining means of protecting inventions and distinctive signs that do not require physical meetings between people or physical exchanges of documents. However, on the other hand, cybercriminals and counterfeiters have simultaneously improved and developed sophisticated means to circumvent legal channels and profit with impunity from protected and unprotected works. Under these auspices, organizations that promote intellectual property rights, such as INTA, organize meetings under the banner of new ideas, new reality, while those that administer these rights, such as WIPO, Japan Patent Office, JPO, in partnership with the African Union are mobilizing their resources to meet the economic challenges dictated by these multiple changes, particularly in the context of the entry into force of the African Continental Free Trade Area, ZLECAF, and its Implications for Intellectual Property Rights, IPR, as we already developed in a previous publication of the Global IP Matrix magazine. Thus Minyagog and Associates followed until their implementation of the recommendations, which had been taken at the time in the direction of the reinforcement of the means and the rights of intellectual property. They have indeed been followed by governmental and non-governmental authorities such as OAPI, African Intellectual Property Organization which has ratified new rules applicable to the protection of titles and the fight against fraud, particularly against counterfeit. In line with existing international treaties and the practices in force in other intellectual property offices in the world and Africa, OAPI has been able to harmonize intellectual property law in the context of SLECAF. Among other innovations in terms of distinctive signs, we can cite the registration now possible of new types of marks, such as sound marks, olfactory marks, audiovisual marks, movement marks, hologram marks, series marks. Similarly, new categories of trademarks have emerged, such as collective certification marks and co-ownership marks, the regime of which has been revised. For these two categories of marks, 
it will be necessary to use regulations subject to stricter requirements, particularly if they are not contrary to public order and morality. Another innovation to highlight, the same request can relate to one or more classes of products and or to one or more classes of services, the official filing costs have also decreased. With the introduction of substantive examination, trademarks will increasingly be subject to refusal of publication due to requirements relating to their distinctiveness and priority over the rights of third parties, whether or not they affect public order and morality. Regarding the formalities, a new exception can be raised ex officio by the OAPI when it is found that the mark reproduces, imitates, or contains among its elements an international common name. However, despite the refusal of publication, the file will be subject to a review of form and substance. If the application is not rejected following the formal examination and substance, it will then be published in order to start the opposition period. In this way, the opposition, which is no longer against a registration but against an application for registration, may be suspended at the joint request of the parties for a period of three months, renewable once when the prior right invoked is in the process of being registered. With these grounds for refusal, the entry into force of the divisional application regime provides a solution for applicants who do not wish to abandon their mark. Another important innovation concerns inventions with the new regime of co-ownership. Indeed, the new regulations highlight the rights of co-owners of a patent as follows. a. Each co-owner may exploit the invention for his benefit, subject to fairly compensating the other co-owners who do not personally exploit the invention or who have not granted exploitation licenses. In the absence of an agreement between the co-owners, this indemnity is fixed by the competent national court. b. Each co-owner may sue for infringement for his sole benefit. The co-owner who acts in infringement must notify the act of referral to the other co-owners, this action is suspended until said notification is reported. c. Each co-owner may grant to a third party a non-exclusive exploitation license for his benefit, subject to fairly compensating the other co-owners who do not personally exploit the invention or who have not granted an exploitation license. In the absence of an amicable agreement, this indemnity is fixed by the competent national court. However, the concession project must notify the other co-owners, accompanied by an offer to transfer the share at a determined price. Within a period of 3.03 months following this notification, any of the co-owners may oppose the granting of the license on the condition of acquiring the share of the person who wishes to grant the license. In the absence of an agreement within the period provided for in the preceding subparagraph, the competent national court sets the price. The parties have a period of 1.01 month from the notification of the judgment or, in the event of an appeal, of the judgment, to renounce the concession of the license or the purchase from co-ownership without prejudice to any damages that may be due, the expenses are borne by the renouncing party. d. An exclusive exploitation license can only be granted with the agreement of all the co-owners or with the authorization of the competent national court. e. Each co-owner may, at any time, transfer his share. The co-owners have a right of preemption for a period of 3.03 months from the notification of the proposed transfer. Failing agreement on the price, it is then set by the competent national court. The parties have a period of one month from the notification of the judgment or, in the event of an appeal, of the ruling, 
to renounce the sale or purchase of the co-ownership share without prejudice to the damages interest that may be due, the costs shall be borne by the renouncing party. f. The co-owner of a patent may notify the other co-owners that he is abandoning his share in their favor. As of the registration of this abandonment in the Special Register of Patents or, as of its notification to the organization, the said co-owner is discharged from all obligations with regard to the other co-owners, they share the abandoned share in proportion to their rights in the co-ownership unless otherwise agreed. With regard to international applications under the PCT, OAPI may avail itself of the provisions of Articles 20 and 36 of the PCT relating respectively to the International Search Report and the International Preliminary Examination Report. These provisions are applicable mutatis mutandis to the cases provided for in the validation agreements referred to in Article 10 paragraph 6 of the agreement. Depending on the terms of the validation agreement signed between the parties, these may be examination validation agreements the substantive examination is no longer carried out these are the search reports produced by the partner office which are authentic, with regard to grant validation agreements, the examination is also carried out at OAPI independently of that carried out by the partner office. Among them, the most remarkable provisions relate to infringements of rights and disputes before the competent courts. It is important to know that disputes relating to the recognition, Scope or exploitation of the rights provided for in the Bangui Agreement, regulatory text of the OAPI, fall within the jurisdiction of the courts of the member states. These are also competent for related criminal litigation. Intellectual property rights are exclusive rights that confer a monopoly of exploitation on their holder. These rights constitute a factor of technical and commercial progress, they stimulate innovation and contribute to the economic development of states which is why infringements of exclusive IP rights constitute counterfeiting. Since then, more severe measures have been validated by the member states of OAPI, with border measures against counterfeiters and more severe sanctions to deter them. In order to speed up the infringement procedure and prevent infringements, the requirement for certificates and certificates of non-cancellation and non-forfeiture of titles before the seizure infringement order has been removed. The competent court may order any urgent measures on request when the circumstances require that these measures not be taken jointly, particularly when any delay would likely cause irreparable harm to the applicant. The competent court may also order, if necessary, under penalty, the production of all documents or information held by the defendant or by any person who has been found in possession of infringing products. As part of the on-demand measures, Customs officers detain suspect goods as part of their checks at the written request of the holder of a registered trademark or the exclusive right of use. It may also automatically withhold goods likely to infringe a registered trademark or an exclusive right of use, even in the absence of a written request from the right holder. The public prosecutor, the applicant and the importer of the goods are informed without delay of this deduction. In addition, to bring his legal action, the plaintiff can obtain from the customs administration the names and addresses of the sender, the importer, and the consignee of the detained goods. Given its strong presence in the territory of OAPI, Minyagog and Associates wanted to implement these new rules by reaching out to users of the OAPI system, which are mainly SMEs, small and medium enterprises, through seminars of capacities improvement, symposiums, the professional talks, especially during the 21st World Intellectual Property Day. 
Minyagog and associates also accompanied government actors such as the Ministry of SMEs during National SMEs Days on the theme standardization and promotion of intellectual property as a means of protecting local industry. The challenge that remains is to bring the greatest number of actors to make it his own of these new measures at the same time as the change in the continental economic order. We believe that this objective can be achieved through the multiplication of virtual meetings given the number of people increasingly interested in this effective means of communication. Page 67. Advertisement. Minyagog and Associate Law Firm. For the protection of your intellect. Patents, trademarks, trade names, drawing and industrial models. Minyagog and Associates. Located in 2nd Avenue, behind building former Fonaderb. P. 20,501 Yaoundé, Cameroon. Tell. 237-222-283-65. Fax. 237-222-340-63. Email 1, cabinetminyagog at minyagoglawfirm.com. Email 2, kbolandngo at yahoo.fr www.minyagoglawfirm.com Page 68 Advertisement The Global IP Matrix Magazine IP News Direct from Industry Thought Leaders Analysis Reports on Innovation, IP Trends, Legislation, IP Strategy, Trademark Law, Patent Law, Copyright Law, Brand Protection, Trade Secrets plus much more. Contact us today to share your industry news stories, Email info at gipmatrix.com or call plus 44 0 203 813 0457 www.gipmatrix.com Page 69 Advertisement Patworld is an innovative and cost-effective patent search tool developed by specialists to meet the needs of industry. The core of Pat World centers around an intuitive search form providing you with all the tools required to extract and analyze the results you need from over 115 million indexed patent documents covering multiple territories and languages. We have drawn on over 100 years of combined patent searching experience to develop tools and features that allow you to archive the most from your searches. Simple to use, customize view, save search history, share folders, language translation tool, flexible payment options. Email for further info. Your access to the world of patents. Search 115 plus million patent documents. Head Office UK. Email sales at patworld.com. North America Office. Email sales in a at patworld.com www.patworld.com Page 70 Advertisement Onambili Oncheng and Associates Law Firm A full-service law firm specializing in commercial law, litigation, insolvency, fraud, compliance, arbitration, joint ventures and intellectual property. Contact Onambili Oncheng and Associates and Ms. Mary Concilia Onchong. Our address, Rosa Parks Avenue, opposite the U.S. and Saudi Arabia embassies, Rue 6103, No. 157. Email oaalawpartners2 at gmail.com Info at oaalawfirm.com jaonambili at hotmail.com Website, 
www.oaalawfirm.com. Telephone, plus 237-677-581-551, plus 237-695-228-348 to plus 237-676-673-026 to plus 237-222-229-676. Page 71. Inside Back Cover Advertisement. Sun IP. The brighter solution for global IP management. At Sun IP, we provide streamlined solutions for translation and international patent filing through PCT national phase entry, European validations, and direct national filings and facilitate annuity payments worldwide. Our industry-leading translation, filing and maintenance services are reinforced by end-to-end project management highly experienced teams, cutting-edge technology, and a tireless commitment to supporting your intellectual property initiatives and casework needs around the world. By providing a simpler way to manage the translations and foreign filings, we help you cut through the complexities and costs associated with protecting and enforcing intellectual property rights. U.S. Office Plus 1-215-344-7800 European Office Plus 44 0204-525-1611 Website, www.sunip.com Page 72 Outside Back Cover Advertisement Final Page Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers Specialist Global Search Services for Patent Attorneys, Universities, Technology Companies, and SMEs Services Patentability Slash Novelty Search Infringement slash FTO slash clearance. Invalidity slash patent busting. State of the art. Patent mapping slash landscapes. Patent monitoring. Patent status. Competitor analysis. Head office. Newport, UK. Telephone number plus 44016338166601. Email, mail at patentseekers.com. North America Office. Toronto, Canada. Telephone number plus 1-416-847-7309. Email, na at patentseekers.com. Website, www.patentseekers.com. We would like to thank all our amazing friends that have contributed to this bumper issue of the Global IP Matrix magazine. We would love for you to join our network of industry thought leaders by sharing your news, views, and opinions on IP and IP law today. Sharing your knowledge of the industry is the perfect introduction to the global IP community whilst shining the spotlight on your law firm or IP business services, just ask our hundreds of international clients. Contact us today on plus four four zero two zero three eight one three zero four five seven or email info at gipmatrix.com. Please make sure to visit our website for all our latest editions of the Global IP Matrix magazine. We look forward to working with you.